You're listening to Entertainment Landfill. Film, television, pop culture. It's where you find it. I don't know what any of this shit is, and I'm fucking scared. What are you talking about, you psycho? You don't know how to drive? Not everybody knows how to do everything. Driving isn't the only thing. Just move your car! Okay. I don't know how I can. Oh, my God. Just grab the steering wheel. Fine! Ow! It hurt? Yeah, it does. It does hurt, actually. What if you get to where you're going and it's a job interview and I turn out to be the boss? I'm not going to a job interview! You could be a year from now. Oh my God. Everybody says, oh, that guy seems great. I'm saying, hold on, wait a minute. That guy yells. Move your fucking car! I can't! Why not? Oh, I'm good. Thank you. What? I'm good. Thank you. Uh, you don't want to help me. You just want to yell. Just the horn. I don't know that, do I? You know, I want to tell you something. What? You yelled at me. Oh my god. Hi. Who is that guy? Who's this guy? Hey, fellas. Who's this guy? Who's this guy? Who are you? I'm nobody. No, 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 no. I know you. I know you. He was at that party with me, the one I was telling you about. Well, no, is it? <laughs> Remember? He—he's Jimmy's brother, the guy, the singer. He's no. the guy with the beautiful voice I was what telling you about. Fucking no, no, Jimmy's no. brother. That's not me, man. Oh my God! Sing for us. Sing. Oh, it's not me. No, you that's lying. I don't mean to, you know, accuse you guys of being ill-informed. My but... brother came all the way from Scottsdale, Arizona, to be here tonight. And you're not gonna sing for him? Fucking bullshit. Sing. You're sing. a fucking singer. You sing, and you sing good. Sing it again. Like a bird. No, I know, I just, I, I want to. You want a line of cocaine? No way, man. Yeah. Don't make this weird. Sing. The hurtin's on me, yeah. Talk about the hurtin'. And I will never be right, oh, no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. You gave a promise to me, yeah. And you broke it. You broke it, honey. These eyes are crying. These eyes have seen a lot of love, but they're never gonna see another one like I have with you. Oh, 
Jimmy, you totally look like his brother. You totally look like his brother, man. You do. Hey, everybody! We're back! It's time for Entertainment Landfill. Hello, I am the Jaystrom, and I told you guys we'd be back. I wasn't lying. You thought, oh, yeah, we'll see him again in a year or so. <laughs> and I'm not alone. I'm here with Stephen the Pop Culture Zealot. Woohoo! How are you doing, Stephen? Hey, I'm doing great. I, of course, am the Jaystrom. Did I mention that it was I? Yes, I uh, believe well, you did. Just in case, you know, you're supposed to do a podcast where, like, someone's listening for the first time. So you got to explain what you do for those people. And so we're here talking about film, television, and pop culture. But we have a special guest also to do that with us, and that is Jimmy Good. Hello, Jimmy. Hello, thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure. Well, thank you for having me on your podcast not long ago, on the Critical Podcast. Yeah, it was the only way for you to like invite me to this show. I've been bullying you about this for so long. <laughs> I was like, when you start your show back up again, I want to be on it. So I was like, if I have him on mine, then he's going to have to invite me at some point. No, I'm just kidding. We had a good time. It was really fun <laughs> over there. Yeah, you know what's funny is your your channel on YouTube is called Critical Reviews, right? Yeah, but your podcast My mom's a big is fan. called Critical Critical Podcasts. Yeah, because I was thinking for a long time ago, like it should be like the Critical Reviews podcast, or you know, just Critical Podcast. I don't know, whatever whatever floats your boat. It should pop up as like the fortieth search result under Critical Podcast on any place. So, so if <laughs> if people away. go on YouTube and search for Critical Reviews, they're going to find you. Yep, they'll find it there, and it's also, I think we're on, like, uh, well, I know we're on Spotify, but, like, all these other places now, too, because, like, you put, like, podcasting is such a weird thing to me, like, you put it somewhere, like, on a site, and then it, like, disseminates it throughout every other place, right. so you should be able to find this other place as just the critical podcast, I don't know, you're right, it's, it's a branding thing, I'll take it up with the head honcho, it's me, <laughs> I'm Well, it's funny, honcho. when I searched for it, like, on Google, I use Google Podcasts, and I'm like, wait, mm. is it Critical Reviews or Critical Podcasts? Or is yeah. it Critical Reviews Podcast? And uh, I found it, though. So just by searching those, I eventually found it. So You passed the first test. That's actually the whole point is to see, because our, our listeners are pretty intelligent, and that's the first thing they have to do is oh. to find the show. It's so like a guess test. What? Yeah, you did it. Well <laughs> like, done. not just anyone can listen to this. they got to figure no, this it, out. It's, that's, that's why the numbers are the way they are. It's an elite group. You don't you want know. to listen. Yeah, exactly. you have to really want to listen to search for it. But yeah. on your channel, you do a lot of cool stuff. Not only do you talk about film and video games, but uh, most recently you took a trip to uh, Disney World in Florida with your sister. And you uh, do videos where you're riding on the rides, you're trying out the food, etc. Which yeah. I think oh is awesome. Gosh. 
it's I appreciate you like watching those too because like it's nice to get feedback on those types of things because there are people who do that for a living. There's like vloggers in like Florida who go every day. And so like a, a few years ago I was like, yeah, I just want to try it when I'm there on occasion and it is really fun to do. It is a little uh hard to get used to like talking into a camera, walking around and then having people like walk up behind you and like you look back at footage of like people either ducking out of the shot or like making funny faces and doing things in the background. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's fun. <laughs> like people are people are getting into it. But yeah. So uh that's something I hope to do more of in the future just because it's uh it's it gives me a reason to go to the parks. Like I need one. But <laughs> what I love, <laughs> I love about it. your videos also is you just have a great attitude. You're just like you're a happy guy you're there. Your enthusiasm is, uh, what do you say? Um, uh, it's like, you know, when you're sick and you get a virus. Contagious. 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 Yeah, yeah. Fact, I'm not saying you're too, like yeah. a, a virus, Jimmy. I'm saying your enthusiasm is contagious. <laughs> I appreciate that. No, I, and I want it to be. And it is. It truly is. And uh, you can tell when people it's not. But at that type of thing, especially the older I get, the more I appreciate it. Just because I was lucky enough to go there a lot as a kid because it's a place my family was like, well, we can take our kids here. It wasn't as expensive as it is today. And they knew we were going to have a good time. So I just think like, oh, it's such a cool place to be. And it's just the physical manifestation of somebody's dream. And that's something that inspires me. And I just, I love going there. So yeah, I'm glad it comes through in the videos. Yeah, I would be very self-conscious of having a video camera, you know, filming myself and talk, walking and talking. I admire that about you, that you... Uh, that doesn't bother you. You can, cause I'm self-conscious about a lot of stuff. So it's oh, I cool bet you're that... beautiful. I, I'm not worried about that. You, you <laughs> mind. We just get you past the first day or two and you'd be good. I just think about those people. Like, oh, look at this guy. What's this guy doing over here? This little <laughs> yeah. I got that a lot though in the parks. They're like, is he vlogging? And then I want to say like, I'm trying to. Like I'm, I'm, I'm just standing over here in a corner. I'm like, I'm trying not to be a problem. Like, how are you doing, everybody? Has anyone yeah. ever said, "Hey, buddy, you filming me or something?" Uh, no, I actually had a couple stop me in California last year, and they're like, "Oh, are you vlogging?" I'm like, "Yeah," and they're like, "What's your channel name?" And like, more and more people have started doing that. I've noticed because people who like that sort of thing, there's never like enough. There's always like new people and you know, points of view that they can get into. So I've never had anybody come up afterwards and be like, hey, man, like, I'm wanted in a couple of states. So, like, I'm kind of scrubbed that video, you know? <laughs> Nothing like that. It's like, hey, I was bending over time my shoe, and uh, I was in an awkward position. I hope I wasn't in the background or nothing. Nothing yep, like no. that. Nothing quite like that. No, I, I usually try not to focus on other people if I can. But some people, you can see if you point the camera in a direction, even not at yourself, they kind of are like, they kind of will duck away. They're like, oh, God, I got to get out of here. You so, know, uh, I was trying to remember the first time I became aware of you. No. And I think when it was, was when you had a Game Sharks uh, episode and you posted it on Facebook, like in the Easy Allies group, like, oh, hey, really? guys, we talk about video games. If you want to check this out. And I was like, oh, check this, check this guy's uh, video out check or whatever. And I click on it and I thought it was cool. You had like a sound stage and they were there with your friends and you're talking about video games. I thought it was really well done. And me being a podcaster, uh, someone who puts out content that, I never feel like I get enough uh, replies or feedback or whatever. Steven will tell you I whine about it all the time. Then I'm like, I'm going to tell this guy what I thought of his video. You know, like, <laughs> hey, this is a cool video. I thought you did a great job and stuff like that. And you're like, hey, thanks a lot. You know, 
Yeah, I really appreciate that too. I'm like in the same boat as you are. So when you did that, I was just, it like, it means a lot to me. <laughs> it really does. What keeps you going when you put out content? I mean, I know you want like anybody else, like, Hey, did, did you guys like this video? What did you think? If you don't get enough of that on something you work hard on, how do you, uh, do you just kind of move past it and go on to the next thing? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, you know what? There have been a lot of times where I have poured my heart, soul, and hours of my life into a thing. And I'm thinking like, you know what? It's not for like the money or the attention of it. It's just like, I hope a lot of people see it because it might be something they enjoy or they find something that's informative or whatever it might be. But a lot of times I've found that those are the ones that get like the least amount of views. <laughs> and I like look back oh, and yeah. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I spent so long doing this and like it's so well done to like my incredibly like crazy high standards of myself. And I think like, well, okay, I'll just put something, I'll just slap something together and put it out there. And then that one just does better numbers. Uh, but yeah, so to keep me going, I don't know. I think a lot of it is like the few people who are interested in the videos, though, the ones that like keep, you know, the channel alive in my heart and, you know, knowing that it can, you know, provide a little bit of entertainment for them. You know, that is kind of what I strive for and what really fuels me. And that's like what I'm trying to pursue in my professional life, because this has just been like a hobby that I wanted to be more. But I, I kind of recognize that's not necessarily going to be the case, but I still love to do it when I can. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah, I try to, you know, identify, you know, with what you're what you do. And I just think about myself and when I've put out content, stuff I'm proud of or worked hard on or edited. And the kind of once you put it out and it's out there and I'm excited about it, I post it. Okay, it's out there. Fly away. You're free. <laughs> yeah, right? Go yeah. see the world. Meet people. Interesting people. And yeah. I wait to hear something back. And if I don't hear anything in the past or in the present – at times, I will get really down on myself, like, oh, why, why do I even do this? Mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> and I got to think, the what it is, is the part where I've recorded the show, and I've worked on it, and I've edited it, and I get excited. It's what's keeping me breathing and uh, enthusiastic during the week. And I'm mm -hmm. putting all this, oh, what if I did this? What if I added this? And, you know, the editing and all that. And then up until when I finally finish it, and then before I put it out, I think maybe that might be a normal thing where when you're finished with something, this kind of, like, low feeling, maybe, like, same with, like, an artist finishes a painting that they've, that's been Coiled occupying, over yeah. occupying all their time, and then they put this work, I'm not saying that my podcast is a great work of art or anything, but just as an example, you put out your thing. You put your heart out there onto it. Yeah. 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 You put your heart into it. And then I don't even know what it, exactly it is I want. Well, like, but if I don't get it, I get bummed out. It's like when I, <laughs> I got the one good review on one of my pieces that I that I put in a show. Mm -hmm. you Steven's know, an it's artist, like, by the way. Uh, <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. A so, sculptor. So when I got recognized over a famous Dallas sculptor. I was like, whoa, I got it mentioned over him. I hadn't, you know, it was like kind of cool for yeah. me. Did that like, it was a very a nice big high. Up? Yeah. 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 That's what I want. I want to get high. <laughs> oh, I mean, you know, on enthusiasm, 
I think it's it's dopamine, isn't it, Jimmy? I think so. Yeah, totally. Like oh my gosh, vi- yeah. video games, you're leveling up. You're getting that dopamine hit. I think maybe my podcast, it's my dopamine hit. And yeah. Uh, I kind of went cold turkey for a while. <laughs> Man, I got to get off Year this podcast. <laughs> it's not healthy. <laughs> but I just yeah. want to say, Jimmy, I appreciate what you do. And whenever I see something and I enjoy it or whatever, I'm going to comment on it. Yes, I appreciate that so much. It's like I have this kind of uh, mentality in real life, too. And it, it's something as small as something like if you see someone walk past you in real life and they have a cool shirt on something you like it's star wars it's marvel it's something you respect or you like if you say to them hey that's a cool shirt and they're they'll probably enjoy that right obviously it's not something they made but it's just like a little thing that is like it's nice for you to like to share that out yes right yeah and it makes that person feel better and it's the same with these types of videos that you know you toil away on because the comments will make or break you you know, there could be just, like, nothing. Crickets is pretty bad, but once in a while, if a video for mine, like, does a little bit better, there's stuff on there. <laughs> I've seen it just a little bit of what I think, like, just scratching the surface of what, uh, you know, some of these comment sections can be like when people are very passionate, let's say, about a thing. Yeah. And uh, when they say certain things and you're like, oh, my gosh, you're probably something you wouldn't say to someone in real life. But it's the ones who are like, man, I really appreciated this video or they'll just comment on it. And then if you comment to that and then they say, like, oh, my gosh, I'm surprised you even responded to my comment because most other people wouldn't or you wouldn't take the time. But I figure if you left or took time to watch this thing and leave a comment, like say anything, I just appreciate you know, that cause time is the most valuable currency we all have. And it can, it can feel rewarding without that too. Like you should be proud of yourself for the content you put out. Cause you, yeah. you do it very consistently too. Yeah. I was told a long time ago, like consistency with videos and even streaming and stuff was like, you just keep doing it long enough and like, it'll, the numbers will, <laughs> will go up and they have admittedly in some respects, yeah, yeah. but it's just one of those things where it like, uh, you gotta like not let it take over your life too, because when I started my channel, I had like three guys. Uh, it quickly turned to two and then it turned into like one and it's kind of been one for a long time. Uh, oh. and it's like when you're a one man <clears throat> band for so long, it can be like, uh, like yeah, <laughs> you yeah. gotta make sure you're doing it because <laughs> you love doing it too. Uh, and also knowing that like with the channel name, you know, being reviews kind of supposedly the, the main thing, which that's kind of changed over time. Everybody, the big channels and stuff, they're going to beat your reviews out by a week, two weeks. You know, you're making this because there are people who might value your opinion as opposed to the quality of the video or the timeliness of it. Uh, yeah. So uh, if anybody out there is listening to this and they like want to get into like the critic game, <laughs> I don't know if this is a bad thing to say, but like, it seems like if you want success, you should try to join a really big website and hang out there for like a year and do stuff for them for like a year or two and then go do your own Patreon Yeah, <laughs> because be, you'll have, get everyone will know you. you yeah. You're your personality. You're the funny guy in the background. Mm-hmm. You know, here's That's how you, me. I know the secret. Here's how you get big <laughs> on YouTube. You get a time machine. Go yeah. back to 2005 Start making videos and putting them online. YouTube starts, start a channel day one and start putting out content. But you're like, Jason, I don't have a time machine. Then it's too late. (laughs) It ain't going to happen. Another thing is go on a reality show. 
embarrass oh your, yourself and your whole family on yep. this reality but show. plug the hell out of your show. Yeah, people know about <laughs> you, then start your own Twitch channel. That might work. Yeah, that's another tactic for sure. These are all <laughs> these are all foolproof <laughs> ways to do it. Uh, but yeah, but if there are people out there who like with you, Jason, um, and anybody else who is passionate about the sort of thing, as long as it fulfills you and you go into it and it's still like a thing that you enjoy doing. I've been doing my show for it's. I think I just did the 279th podcast. That's 279 weeks. I in saw a row. that, and that's like a lot. That's like a madman. Like like you're like a crazy person. Like, but that's just who I am. And I'm that for is, some odd reason I just here's the thing, Jimmy. <laughs> I just put out the episode 316 of Entertainment Landfill. Incredible. Now, now, granted, there were a lot of shows in between there. Like, remember, I did ETL Daily. Then I was I, like, no, that's not a good title. ETL News. Each time I'd start out at one again, and uh, I did the Chuck series. Go all the way back to day one. <laughs> I've done. Or, I've basically done over. Or is this no more and mulberry combined with this? Yes. Okay. So I don't know how many shows we've done, but when I saw how many shows you've done in succession every week, I was like, "Whoa, this yeah. dude!" And part of me was like, "I got to encourage this guy. I don't want him to become me, where he becomes <laughs> disenfranchised. He becomes like, why am I doing this?" <laughs> sure yeah and uh well you kind of know a little bit more about like what my plans are for the future so i don't really know if i'll i'm going to try my best to keep doing it once a week at the very right. least or you know in some formats i've kind of flirted with the idea of like doing you know one week of this show and then one week of another show and i was talking to someone that uh you know uh kyle bossman and he was saying like yeah. his show that he started doing he's like yeah i do like a two or three week break in between and call them seasons and yeah. for me like technically i'm still on season one right yeah. uh, so, and like <laughs> Season three, it should be pretty good. But right now, it's still season one. Uh, <laughs> I was like looking at this, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I get where you're coming from. but uh, I understand yeah. the reason people do seasons now. I didn't understand it before, but it's so you can take long breaks. Yeah. Like, this is the off-season, guys. That's why we haven't okay. done a show. Season two is coming up soon. I remember our old co-host, we used to be three people. Will... He would complain about, he's like, what is this season's crap? <laughs> you know, he, didn't, <laughs> he didn't believe in that. So I was like, I guess we will never do seasons. But uh, now it makes sense to me. I understand. Well, if, it. Like if you're reviewing TV shows and stuff like we did. Yeah. They didn't start till I don't remember how long ago that they started doing a summer season of a few shows. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But really it was fall to spring. You had like those two seasons and then you had a, the large summer break and then. Yeah. With regular TV shows, and now it's it's not that way Basically, anymore. It works for some people, some people it doesn't. But we found other things to talk about than just TV shows. Yeah. On that on that time off, we did, you know, new movies, the blockbusters during the summer. We could talk yeah. about movies or um, really bad reality shows. Yes. <laughs> Really bad reality shows, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I understand the seasons thing. Maybe we should start that. Now, Jimmy, do you think you're going to keep doing, uh, like, vlogs? Yeah, I think uh, if I get the chance to continue to do that and kind of do that a little bit more, there's always ways that, like, when I look back on it because, you know, I would record, like, a trip and then come back, and it's not something I could do consistently for the channel. But I see things where I'm like, oh, I could do this better, or I see how other people are doing it and how they're being successful. Uh, but yeah, that's something I would, I would love to do. And it seems like most people enjoy it, which is funny because like the channel, you know, wasn't 
based or built around that at all. But yeah. it seems it's so funny that like again, it's not just about the numbers because. For instance, the, the podcast, I still do it, honestly, because I know there's like a few people who do listen and watch every week, even if that's like one or two people. That still means something to me. But, mm-hmm. you know, with the vlog stuff, it's just like I can I can put something together and there's a there's definitely a crowd out there who's not sated with just watching one person. They want to watch, you know, five, six, seven people talk about this sort of thing or have different unique experiences versus like the reviews where there are just so, so many people <laughs> There's so many review channels out there, uh, which is great because so many people have opinions. So they got to put them out there. But uh, yeah, I'm open to do more of the vlogs because they are just uh, a ball. They're so much fun. You know, what's funny is you could either do like uh, the the big kind of movie review with your editing and clips from the movie, from the movie yeah. trailer or whatever, and you're talking and you have that footage going on. Or you could just sit in front of the camera and it's you sitting in a chair and you're talking about it and maybe you show a few stills of it. I've seen people do different things in, on, you know, YouTube of how you can do it. Oh yeah, and, totally. Uh, sometimes like it's more exciting to be more creative. Like how am I going to work in this footage here as I'm talking about it? And that becomes, it becomes something that's entertaining for you to do yourself. But sometimes I notice like, some people put up the simplest content on YouTube of just like, Hey, I saw this movie. Here's what I thought of it. And they might have the trailer playing in the background on a loop. And I'm like, okay, that's one way to go. (laughs) (laughs) And I was thinking just through my podcast, like every week, what I would do, Jimmy is I would create an intro with different movie clips or TV clips. Oh yeah. With music and then whatever shows we were talking about, I'd pull clips from that and we play those clips from the shows. Then I would play any kind of funny dialogue somebody would say on a, a particular show, okay. turn it into a sound drop. So I play the sound drops throughout the show and it was like so much work. But then when it was time for the show and I'd, we'd put on the show, I'd want to make Steven and Will laugh. I'd be wanting, (laughs) I'd play off you guys. If you guys were entertained by this or whatever. And that's why I think I was entertained by doing the show just to entertain them. But it was like so much work. And, uh, over the years, sometimes people, people be like, I just listen to hear you guys talk. You know, we don't need all that. And some people, you've entertained me for 30 years. So, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is that ter- that's crazy isn't it so what i'm saying is jimmy you could totally do a vlog where like hey guys it, just checking in oh by the way i saw the new uh marvel movie it was really really cool or whatever or you know you could like okay i need to break down clips and all that stuff i uh it's funny you bring that up because um i used to and I think I've talked to you about this a little bit, Jason. Um, but for Steven, who might not know, or anyone else listening to this, what I used to do for movies is I would go see them on Thursday nights, and I would have already pulled the trailers. I would have, like, an intro paragraph written, but I would see them Thursday night a little bit later. I'd come home, I'd write the rest of the script, record the script, uh, put the script together, or, like, I'd put the, the voiceover on, and then I would try to get the clips and I would like cut up the trailers and then I try to make everything set perfectly and I would put it all together and be done by like two or three in the morning. And it was like this super strenuous thing. And I was like, I just, I could be one of the first, you know, to be out yeah. there. Uh, and it wouldn't matter. So it, <laughs> <laughs> it just wouldn't. Uh, and it's so funny because you mentioned that. I think it's so much about the personality. Like you said, it's like you care more about like 
what such and such thinks about a thing versus the thing itself and kind of compare it to how you feel. So if it is just someone sitting in a corner that's well lit and it's got a nice camera, that's going to take the day over like really cool editing and like it looks all great and wonderful, you know? Yeah. I guess it's just what's fulfilling to you at the time. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. But I can't wait to see what kind of content you put up. You know, we've uh, I've been beating around the bush, but uh, how is your life going to change? Do you even want to talk about that on the show? (laughs) Oh, that's fine. Yeah, totally. No, uh, for people who might not know. And yeah, I plan on like talking about it more in depth soon. But uh, I'm actually moving out to California. I'm in Minnesota right now. But I am pursuing a career in film acting. And yes, that's movie like. You go to the movie theater, you'd see my big old face up on the screen, uh, you know, probably running away from an explosion. Maybe I'm in the explosion. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, you know, it depends on uh, who's directing it, you know. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of my hope. And I'm very lucky to know some people out there. I have a place lined up. So we are going to just, uh, I'm moving out in about a month, a little bit less than a month. And we're going to see how it goes. Kind of a crazy time to do it. But there's just never a perfect time to do these types of things. Yeah. I found you just got to like go all in and you know give it your best shot i gotta say that whenever you read any kind of stories it's always the person is like we just i just got up and did, did went it. for it you just gotta go for it and i admire that you're doing that well good luck well thank you so much and i i appreciate that from both of you and it's been nice because i've had a lot of people who say they're like well you know we believe in you and we you know it's not like i've said this to anybody and they're like are you sure or like, you know, they're kind of like, um, your personality type isn't really the type that would, you know, it's been a lot of, like, a lot of people are like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like they're, at least it's not like, um, they're saying I haven't had any naysayers. Thankfully, my family's very supportive. My friends have been very supportive. Um, and yeah, I, uh, it's just kind of a crazy thing because it's been a long time coming. It was supposed to happen last year, but, uh, yeah, that, um, Stuff came up. Thing called COVID yep. uh, kind of happened. Yeah, I got out of California because I was out there, um, as I told people, about like four days or so before it all shut down, uh, oh, which wow. was pretty amazing. Because I was out there like doing some kind of like you know fact checking all this stuff. Did a couple days at Disneyland because I had to, and then I was hearing like all this stuff of like you know uh, Los Angeles mayor declares state of emergency or things like that, and I was like, uh oh, like. And once the plane took off, I was like. Okay, I should be good. Like I, I should be able to get home. Uh, but uh, at that, <laughs> that time, was a I was scary time because nobody knew what yeah, was going on. Right, and I'm glad. You know, in some respects, I'm very lucky uh, that I wasn't like just moving out there and this stuff happened, and I was just like trapped in an apartment for like yeah. a year and a half. You know, yeah. with like yeah, no income. Do you move there and you're all alone, and all of a sudden you're just trapped <laughs> yeah. in your apartment? You're like, uh, do you guys want to meet at Disneyland? Oh wait, we can't. I'm just gonna walk around where the gates are. You know, what I mean? it's like, uh... yeah, yeah. It was a scary time for sure. But were uh, people yeah. on the plane saying stuff like, "Oh my god, all the toilet paper's gone"? <laughs> Actually, we were exchanging toilet paper as currency by that point. Oh, uh, we nice. had all just we understood it. It was uh, like we're going to talk about Mad Max here, but it was like guzzling, But it was like I wanted a seat in first class, so I handed two rolls to the flight attendant, and they put me in there. It was totally fine. The problem was they weren't giving out drinks for anything less than six rolls. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> this is yeah. ridiculous. You know what's funny is I did a podcast in my car when that it was like the first couple of weeks of COVID. Yeah. And I basically said that this is like Mad Max if it totally sucked and was uninteresting. 
Because instead of like guzzling and all that, we're it's like toilet paper, toilet paper, yeah, right, sanitary wipes. <laughs> it's just like yeah. this is Hands interesting and all. Clorox bleach. They're locking down California again, aren't they, or yep. something like that? Yeah, it seems like from what I understand, they were bringing back the mask mandate for indoors right now. Yes. Yeah. At least to begin with, to see to deal with the Delta variant. Uh, I don't know a lot about this. It seems like a lot of the people who weren't getting vaccinated were being affected um, much more by this strain uh, than those who had been. Uh, but yeah, so again, not uh, an ideal time to go to California. Uh, I was told recently. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. I had somebody recently tell me, they're like, you're the only person I've heard of who's actually moving here. And I was like, yeah, I know, right? They're uh, all moving here so, to Texas. <laughs> yeah, I've heard they're moving to those, like Texas and Idaho and Arizona and stuff. But yeah. uh, my, like the dream scenario is I just like, I freely walk onto um, a soundstage at like one of the places without guards or nobody stops me and I walk and I'm like, Hey, I'm, I'm looking for work as an actor. And they're like, Oh, you want to be here? Like, quick, get this. It's, this kid's going to be a star. Like he's, he's in the, in the middle of a pandemic. He's out here trying to get a job. Let's get him in front of a movie screen. Let's go. Let's like, get him some cameras. <laughs> you know, that's, there's a 1920s person there and I'm going to meet them. Basically. <laughs> you do have a time machine. I actually do. So I was going to go start my YouTube channel again and be a daily blogger just every day, <laughs> nice. a video every day. <laughs> I'm going to take the name Ninja before anybody. Dude, nice. You know what I'm drives me nuts about that guy Ninja, by the way? What? He went by the name Ninja, like the most generic name ever. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. oh, that's inventive. Hey, I know I'm Ninja. It's like, how was that name not taken already? That's what I want right. to know. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I don't know where the origins of that come from either, because he's a very like colorful ninja. You'd see him coming. Yeah, you know? I have nothing against the guy, but that name is pretty lame. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like if you would have because it's space so e ninja, it's just easy, you know, space ninja, ultra ninja, something cool like that. I I kind of respect the fact that it's just that because everybody else now, especially like the shoutcasters, have like numbers or letters after their name, and <laughs> yeah. not that they're bad, not that they're all fine and great. It's just funny, like when it's like, hey, that's you know such and such three five seven or something like that. I'm like, that's like their job, like on a professional business card, it would say that. Like it's like, oh wow, okay, <laughs> yeah. cool. One of my yeah. favorite things to rant about was the guy who did the music to Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> Mm. He, yep. I mean, how many people's <laughs> dreams is it to become a film composer? Like, I do music for movies. Right. And someone was like, okay, uh, what's your name for the credits? And you go, uh, that would be Junkie XL. <laughs> Just uh, jot that down there. It's like, wait, your name is what? Mm -hmm. Junkie XL. It's like, why would you pick that name? You're not like some Twitch guy. <laughs> you know, you're like doing a movie, the soundtrack. <laughs> I just never got that. I think didn't he change it like a little while ago to like his actual name? Yeah, not now he's going by his real name, Tom Holkenborg. And when okay. I heard his name Holkenborg, oh no wonder he's junkie. <laughs> oh, I kind of like that. I wish he would have said like, yeah, I took the name because I wanted to take it away from like Hans Zimmer, and like like Hans wouldn't have known. But like there would have been this whole thing, like yeah, I want to make Hans always want to change his name to Junkie XL, but I thought that name was so cool, so I took it before he could. You're something, and Hans would be like, "What are you talking about?" Oh, that would have been great. They were like, oh, "Why did you change your name to Junkie XL?" It's like because of my name, Hans Wimmer. It's just too <laughs> close to Hans Zimmer, and they're like, "Oh, oh. 
Now I get it. It's all coming together. All right, Jimmy, thank you for being on the show. What do you say we talk about a certain movie I asked you to watch, and I get to know what you thought of it? Ooh, I think that sounds great. Thank goodness I watched it. All right, guys, let's do entertainment! Ah, yes, entertainment, guys. We will talk about new movies that have come out this week a little bit later, but first, I uh, talked to Jimmy this week about a certain film I've watched many times. You guys know I've watched this film many times. I talk about it enough. But I wanted Jimmy to watch it for a first time, and I wanted to see what he thought of it. Now, Jimmy, you've been playing the game Mad Max the game. Remember yeah. that game, Steven? Came mm-hmm. out years ago. By the way, Steven, did you ever finish that game? No. <laughs> I'm like the only person I know that finished this game. I got to the last level. Now, Jimmy, I want you to finish the Mad Max game so we can talk about the ending. Because I wanted to I talk will. about the ending with somebody for years now. <laughs> but I, I will actually, happily do that. I, I think my it. brother has finished it. Oh, really? Yes. Maybe you could talk to him about it. <laughs> <laughs> but, Jimmy, you watched the film The Road Warrior. Also known yeah. as Mad Max 2. And you'd never seen it before, right? That's correct. Had you even seen footage of it before? Do you Ooh, think? Maybe in like YouTube videos, sometimes they throw stuff in like that. And I maybe saw some of it during like a Mad Max Fury Road reviewer video a long time ago, if then. But probably not. Now, you talked recently about how you love opening montages in films. Yes. What did you think of the opening montage of, I guess you could call it that, of The Road Warrior? Yeah, because uh, you talked about it, You're like, oh, yeah, this one's got a good opening montage. And you're like, oh, you don't have to watch the first one, really, to kind of get a good feel for what happens in that film. And I thought it was really nice. It was good. It gave me that, like, same feeling that they have a little bit of in the beginning of Fury Road, but maybe even better, just kind of talking about how the world is in crisis and kind of Max's story a little bit and just yeah. showing all the stuff kind of, you know, in quick clips and things. And it was more of like a world montage versus like a person growing up and becoming like a hero or a soldier or whatever else. Uh, but yeah, I liked it. It felt kind of like, um, you know, like those old like war montage videos where yeah. they're kind of like Historical someone's trying to fill talking. you in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it felt legitimate and it was kind of freaky. And I was, uh, as I was watching, I'm like, my gosh, you know, this came out in like the early eighties and that someone kind of put this out there. And I wonder if there was ever anybody who only caught that portion, but wasn't in a the movie theater and was like, yeah. what happened? Oh no. <laughs> you know? Did you, uh, but yeah, that was great. Now, when it first opens up in that opening montage, it's kind of pillar boxed in a tiny square. Yep. Mm-hmm. Where you're like, oh no, is the whole movie like this? Where you were, I was like, like, I'm getting ready for uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League Part Two here. Uh, I was <laughs> yeah. like, here we go, I'm, four I'm, by three. Yeah, I'm ready. No, I figured it was that was kind of purposeful for like a kind of a smaller TV screen, and it's weird because I was watching another show on Disney Plus that does a similar thing, but they have like a border around it to make it look like an old school television, uh-huh. and so that's how they get past that. But and I was like. Oh, I think this will probably just be the beginning. And then the rest of it was, you know, full screen, you know, or, you know, wide. And I was like, oh, okay, here we go. I was like, this looks good. <laughs> that shot, basically the camera pulls out of the blower on the car, the engine. Yeah. 
and then it goes to widescreen. I love that. Yeah, it's great. It's like, here we go. And you're like, okay, now this is the movie. So what did you think of The Road Warrior? I'm just curious. You know, I was pleasantly surprised. I I always talk about how much I, I love uh, practical effects. Mm-hmm. And so many movies now have such great CG and computer animation and things like that. And I love video games, but so often I'll see a thing in a film and I know that there are limitations with machinery and, you know, not every uh, creature you can make is going to be a practical thing. But this film, if I'm not mistaken, it seemed like almost all of it uh, or a lot of it, a majority was all practical oh, effects yeah. or like real cars flipping over, mm-hmm. real fire, real explosions, uh, which I'll get to in a second. Uh, but I thought it was like a slice of life. And I've heard people talk about Max uh, since Fury Road as him being this kind of like force of nature where he kind of will blow in to a scenario and do a thing and kind of help people out and then just kind of disappear. Yeah. And that's definitely like, that's what it felt like here. It was kind of like a side story to like, his true story, but that's just kind of who Max is. He just kind of you know, goes wherever the wind takes him. And I thought that was really cool. Uh, yeah. It was much more brutal in some respects than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was some stuff, especially early on, that I was not expecting. I was like, oh my gosh. Uh, and yeah, I, I wasn't like, I didn't think. I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be one way or it's going to be another. But then I was like, oh wow, no, they were uh, they didn't really shy away from some things in a post-apocalypse that would that could happen, you know? Uh, but yeah, I, I really, I did enjoy it quite a bit and I just appreciate how, uh, genuine it is in all that it does. There is just, uh, this sense of that it, it all was real authentic and it, it almost feels like it could have happened with just a bunch of weirdos in the desert, you know, yeah. dressing up <laughs> in these crazy costumes. Hey, uh, Max barely says much in the movie, does he? Yeah. So, Okay, so Mel Gibson, and I forget if he's, I think he's native Australian, is he not? I could be I, he wrong was raised this. in Australia from childhood, but I think he was born in, uh, in America. Okay, okay, so yeah, that's why he doesn't say too much, and he's got a few, like, I was like, oh, is he technically Australian? Is that his accent and stuff? Uh, but yeah, he does not say too much at all, and that's kind of his character, and Tom Hardy takes that to like a new level in Fury Road where he barely says a word. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I thought that was, it was an interesting take to have a protagonist like that and have everybody else around him talk and just people, like, they would look at him and you could sense, uh, there was tension or there was these kind of, there's this communication that was happening with him, with other people that wasn't spoken and that maybe spoke volumes because they would be like, oh, that's the guy. Like, this is the guy that everybody talks about. Like, that's that guy right there. He'll do things that other people won't. And, uh, he can get away with things and he's kind of, a, he's a lone warrior. And yeah, uh, they kind of give his like sidekick a lot of the dialogue. Like he's, it's yeah. like, <laughs> you know, he becomes a sidekick, even though at the beginning, like they're trying to kill each other. The gyro like, captain. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. The gyro captain, right? Yeah. And the gyro captain, I was impressed that he kind of knew that like, uh, early on, maybe it's a little bit of a spoiler, but that Max might be hiding a weapon, uh, on the back of his car too. Cause I thought Max was going to drop this guy. Like that he's oh, going to yeah. grab a knife and just be done with it you know which is like oh okay so this guy has a bigger role than i thought you know i didn't think he was gonna stick around but he's a major player in that movie it's so funny also that the film has this very serious tone 
But the driver captain is such a goofy guy. Yeah. And they even have the part where I still laugh at it to this day where Max ties him up in his car and has the shotgun pointed at his head with a bone in the dog's mouth to pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. And he sees like a right. rabbit scurrying. He's like, <gasps> he thinks the dog's going to get distracted. But that little visual gag is hilarious in the movie, isn't it? Oh, I loved it. I thought that was so great. Because I was thinking, I was like, okay, he's got him in the car tied up. How is he going to keep him like on good behavior? And then I kind of saw the whole setup of this thing. I was like, oh my gosh, this is something they didn't need to do. Like uh-huh. they didn't need to have that. They could have just been like, yep, he tied him up, put him in his car, and they went to the next destination or whatever else. But the fact that they went to the length to actually show off like what Max does as far as like his thought process and how kind of like crazy he has to be to deal with crazy people yeah. like that it, it works out so well because you like you get it you're like everybody seems nuts in this world and max kind of has to be a little nuts too even though he's like our main protagonist guy but like just that whole like i don't know how he even constructed it has he done it before you know it seemed like a pretty like easy setup for him <laughs> yeah. it's like oh my gosh i loved it i thought it was really cool now you've been playing the mad max video games so you've seen in the game that you eat dog food for health what did yes. you think of it when you see him open up the dog food in the movie? Between that and the actual gas cans that are exactly the same, I have so much more respect for the people who made Mad Max because of the attention to detail. Because the Dinky D dog food is like the exact same. And so when he's munching on it and he uses a fork and in the game he just uses his hands uh, but like he's like eating it like it's just like a regular meal and he was like cracking this open and I'm like Max, you got a lot of Dinky D dog food, man. I was like, he's just eating it like it's just any other meal for him. And it was so great. I love it. What do you think, you know, because I've seen the movie so many times, I want to get these first reactions from you. uh, When you find out that his gun has been empty the whole time. That is fantastic. It reminds me a little bit of, and I think I've heard people talk about that, like his gun it like has a hard time firing in Fury Road or that he's got issues with it in that one too. But I love that it's just the threat and like he has to convince you that he is a threat. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be loaded to be scary. And it's like, he's like, that wasn't loaded the whole time. He's like, well, now it is like, he's like, now I'm even more of a threat because you, how scared of you or me were you before? And now it's like, he actually has that. But I, I thought that was kind of fun too. I was like, Oh, it's just the little things in this movie that really stick out. Uh, yeah, you know, comparatively to all the other stuff, which is big and bombastic, but stuff like that, you're like, oh wow, Max is a he's a pretty cool operator for the most part. I've always loved that line that the gyro captain where he goes, "That's dishonest." Yeah, no. like he's <laughs> yeah. had him at gunpoint the whole time and it's been empty. He's just like, "How do I know that one's not a dud?" And he's just like, "Find out." And he points it at him. And he's like, oh, "Okay." <laughs> exactly right yeah or like and it's so funny because jar captain's all like yeah i trained this snake and he finds out the snake is, like has died later on he's like well i'm gonna eat it and you're like this guy is he's a weird character that guy is a very odd character <laughs> okay what did you think of the action in the film like the i guess um there's the part where max has to go get the bit the rig and then drive it back into the compound what did you think of that whole chasing is that the one that there's one time that max drives out and it might be this one where he it's like he drives straight through the camp and maybe because they camped out you know right on the road back to where he's driving this thing 
but it almost seems like he takes a super unnecessary risk by like doing this because he like damages it pretty badly. But again, maybe it was the only like path to get back in. Uh, besides all that, I love how practical again everything is. It's all real. It's all being shot, you know, in real time for the most part. They use some like fast forward rewind stuff with the kid yeah. and the boomerang mostly, mm-hmm. uh, which is funny because I'm kind of like I was like, oh, that seemed weird. But on most of the car stuff, they only did like one or two speed ups. Uh, but yeah, I love that they've got like the like the, not the harpoons, but they have like a four shot that like you can go like shoot the wheels. But on like a six wheeler or eight wheeler or whatever that truck is, yeah. If you take out one wheel, it's like it's still going to keep going. In more modern movies, you know, if you did that to a truck, I guess depending on the circumstance, like it just auto, it just like flips over right away, or it's like it doesn't work anymore. But Max just keeps driving. He's like, I'm not stopping. It's like, yeah, I don't I'm think anything going. blows up unnecessarily in the film. Like, there's yeah. a reason anything that blows up, there's a reason for it. But in yeah. a Hollywood movie, stuff would have been blowing up left and right. You oh, know? totally. Like yeah. cars flip over and they don't explode immediately, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. Which but I nice. love that that uh, the gyro captain is flying overhead and he drops a snake on the guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, those what, fire bombs. Okay, I just got to say uh, the entire end. Okay, first of all, Jimmy, I know for a fact is a dog lover. Oh so yeah. When I knew he was going to watch the film, I was like, "Oh no, the dog! How is he going to take this?" <laughs> because I got to tell you, Jimmy, every time I watch the film, they don't show it happen. You hear it, but it breaks my heart every time I watch the movie. How did you take that scene? Okay, I thought it was going to be worse because the dog didn't die uh, in my head. So <laughs> what happened is you see this. Ha- it's like off screen. A guy like shoots it with a crossbow. Which, okay, first off, the dog would not be waiting that long. It does, I guess it was a little bit hurt because they got, like, in a pretty bad wreck. Uh, but it does a little whimper thing. I imagine uh, it that Dinky D uh, took it to the leg or something and is going to be totally fine. Uh, you know, because that thing, like, that dog was, like, one of the best actors in that movie. And that's not to say the other actors weren't good. It's just that every time the dog was interacting with somebody else or doing anything... It was not only like, oh, it's a believable dog. It was like so emotive and yeah. it was so invested in everything that it was doing. And it was so believable that it was just like, yeah, I'll hold a bone that's tied to a shotgun like it's every <laughs> other day. Like it just doesn't care. It's just like, yeah, if you died here, I wouldn't. Oh, that's a rabbit over there. I couldn't care less about that. Uh, but yeah, I loved the dog. And yeah, that's kind of an unfortunate piece of this film. But again, mm-hmm. you don't see it on screen. Your own head cannon, baby. Uh, you I do whatever you, you the want. Dogs are mine. You never saw. I just think you know that point in the movie. Max has to lose everything again. Here he has right. to lose everything that means anything to him. So he uh, has kind of this kind of character change because in reality, Max is kind of he's all about himself. He just wants the gas to get out of there. Yeah. And there's these desperate people that need his help. He helps him, but it's an exchange for gas, and he's going to get out of there. And they're like, no, 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 we need you to drive this big rig, and uh, so we'll be, go away safe. He goes, hey, I'm sorry, I did my part of the bargain, I'm out of here, you know. And then that happens, and then he comes back, and he's like, I don't have anything, I'm just going to drive the truck, we'll see what happens. Do you have Do you have a feeling at that point he doesn't care what happens to himself? Yeah, I think so. And it was really weird because, like, I know how important the car is, or at least it seems like in 
some of the mediums that I've seen for, for Max. Mm -hmm. So when that went down, I was kind of surprised. And then he was just kind of like, yeah, I'm the best bet you have to get this truck out of here. And I was like, I guess that's true. But yeah, you're right. I don't think he really cared anymore. And he was like, you know what? If I die doing this, I guess that's kind of a noble cause. But uh, at the same time, I'm going to give it my my best. Even though one eye was like swelled shut. And, <laughs> yeah. and he's looking pretty he bad. Stitches. <laughs> I do like, think oh. he would have been, done a better, he did a better job than Papa Gallo, their leader, would have done, because he'd just taken an yeah. arrow to the hip with a crossbow. And oh, and Papa Gallo goes out in an amazing way. Um, mm -hmm. if, for people who are familiar with Dungeons and Dragons, uh, I would call the spear throw that the guy throws <laughs> and hits Papa Gallo with a nat 20. Like, it was yeah. an incredible, like, it's a perfect arc. That's like it goes up and over the back of Papa Gallo's weird car that Max <laughs> no. eventually, I guess, takes. It's an himself. impossible like, throw. It's so good. I'm like, oh, he's dead. Like people in this movie die, like really at any moment. Like right. it's like there are a few people you can get invested in, but everybody else is on the chopping block. And in most movies, like that um romantic interest max maybe kind of has maybe doesn't at the camp the one who kind of eventually maybe takes a shine to him or has a warrior's respect for him or whatever else i thought i was like oh maybe something's gonna happen here it didn't and then she dies and goes like underneath tires like she oh, gets yeah, hurt yeah. falls and like gets run over i'm like oh my gosh that I'm, was like, pretty brutal gone. i like, do wow. love right after that scene happens that max kind of hops out of the cab and shoots a guy through the windshield yep mm -hmm. that that scene is always like oh and okay i gotta ask you about this what do you think of the feral kid the kid with the boomerang and okay. every time Max kills somebody, he goes, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> and does a backflip. Does a backflip. Uh, for my Aliens fans out there, I got heavy Newt vibes from <laughs> this this guy. Right when I saw him, I'm like, oh, he's going to be like the weird kind of quiet kid who like kind of is a clinger, hanger on uh, to this whole thing. I thought he was fine. Again, I thought it was very funny with the boomerang, his like weapon of choice, and like the speed up slowdowns that they had for him. Mm -hmm. to make it look scarier or more menacing or whatever it is more lethal uh but like him running up or catching it in reverse i was like oh that's fun that's a fun little like movie <laughs> trick right there I was what like, do you, the guy who tries to catch it and it chops his fingers off oh so funny like it's so good like that thing is like it's such a weird looking boomerang too it's like just like a piece of like silk like steel that they kind of bent in that way that kind of looks like a boomerang and it just it's supposed to fly like a movie boomerang just perfectly back to you every time sometimes but, like, i think about like the birth of this kid like right they didn't have time to teach him anything but here yeah. kid take this boomerang just you know practice with that or whatever and he's like <laughs> and starts throwing it and it's like yeah yeah that's his job now you know he exactly. things with the boomerang he has like a tunnel inside and outside of the camp that is definitely not like a security hazard for like trying to defend your fort like that would have been in other movies would have been the way in like they would have found the kid and they would have found the way in that way or bribed the kid or tricked the kid or whatever else but yeah i thought he was fine uh i thought it was fun at the end like the whole thing was like he was the narrator the whole time yeah, yeah. like what like okay. yeah it's like, oh, he learned cool. to talk eventually yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like and then he's like and i never saw max again <laughs> you're like oh gosh like he, i will give him this they don't sequel bait uh, no, no. they're just like nope it's you know if it never happens again that's fine yeah i love he says he lives only in my memories yeah 
So you get right? the feeling. I, I kind of thought about this with Fury Road because uh, Max has his car again all of a sudden. Yeah, right? The thing is, like, the Road Warrior is somebody telling you this story that's not Max. He Max is in the so story. So it could have it, it been added to it, the, like, the lore. Yeah, the lore, the unreliable narrator, or right. whatever. He filled in the gaps. So when if you think of maybe the uh, every Mad Max story is similar, where somebody is just telling you there was this guy named Max... He came from nowhere. From he was the road warrior, and they tell you the story. And every time he loses his vehicle again, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but it's all based around him in a vehicle. Yeah, yeah. He was this lone warrior somewhere. What did you think of the villains of the piece, Wes and the Lord Humongous? Okay, so Wes was kind of his rival in a sense, right? He's that guy with the mohawk. Yeah, and the crossbow okay. in his hand. Yes. So Wes. Okay, it's so interesting because Wes shows up and it feels like, okay, this is a Mad Max villain. Uh, he's got like a dude who rides behind him on a motorcycle who's got like a chain around his neck and it's like, there's a weird relationship going on there to <laughs> yeah, some degree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and this guy ends up getting killed by the boomerang, right? Is that the one yeah. who gets killed mm-hmm. by the kid? Uh, and so, but there's like this unspoken, like, hatred that Wes has even before that towards Max because of like the very beginning of the film. And I thought he was gonna be the main big bad. Uh, but then you find out later on that no, he serves this Lord Humongous and Wes is like his, uh, disciple of war. And he keeps even that, like, Wes on a chain at one point later on because he's starting to go kind of crazy. Cause every time he sees Max, he like loses his mind. He's like, I'm gonna kill that guy basically without <laughs> yeah. saying it. And Max is like, dude, I, I've met a lot of psychos on the road. Like, you're just another guy to me. And, uh, they're kind of back and forth. And I thought, when uh, we get the kind of Raiders-esque, uh, it, even though this predates Raiders, um, kind of truck sequence that he goes off the front of it. And I was like, you know, this movie's realistic enough that if they had him get run over, the car would have bumped, the camera would have bumped up and down as if the tires were going over him. And so <laughs> what we don't know is that he's hanging on the grill of that truck in that final sequence for quite a while, mm-hmm. waiting for the perfect moment to scare a child. You know, uh, he, he's like, Not he's, like yet, old. he's like, wait, he's like, there's some shotgun shells up there. And there's a kid who's going to come and get him. And I'm going to, I'm going to scare him right there. Uh, but yeah, I thought, uh, Wes was kind of interesting and humongous, uh, was so like, not, I don't know if he's supposed to be comical. He's supposed to be menacing. Right. But the, like the outfit and like him on the loudspeaker and just kind of like making these just like, yep. If you all leave your, your place, I guarantee you safety through the wasteland we just want the the gas or the guzzling yeah and you're like yeah i don't know and then later on there's that really cool shot of him like up on the mountain or uh, like the cliff thing at night with like a bunch yeah. of fire behind him and you're like oh my gosh this guy's like really freaky like he's just like waiting he's like trying to freak him out he's like i'm gonna kill everybody in there oh yeah he, he needs the gas after he says if you just walk away and leave us the gas i won't hurt anyone then Max goes, he gets the truck and brings it back. That makes him really mad. <laughs> yeah. And yep. he says, nobody gets out of here alive. That yep. basically, I'm going to kill every single one of you. I, I also like that the people of the, uh, the tribe, they're civilized. 
and they all get yeah. to work and they kind of ignore all that riffraff going on out there. Yeah. There's even a part I love where they're like torturing people and stuff and you hear people screaming and you just see Max, he's like looking up from his dog food for a second and then he kind of looks back down and goes back to eating like he just ignores it, you know? I've yeah. seen worse. Right. It's like, eh. Yeah, uh, there's some, like, this group is pretty awful. Like, obviously, they, like, get those two guys from the camp, and they're, like, putting them on the front of their cars, like, hood ornaments and, like, torturing them. And yeah. uh, earlier on, they they do some horrible stuff to a couple that is driving somewhere. I don't know where they're driving, but they get, like, run down on the road. Uh, and Max kind of intervenes a little too late. Like, in yeah. more modern cinema, I think what would have happened is, like, they would have killed the male of the, the pair and then the female would be just getting set upon and then Max would show up, you know, and yeah. kill whomever is still there. But you can tell that Max, like, he knows, like, he's a normal person, you know, more or less in this crazy world. He's not going to go and fight, like, five or ten guys, like, in the game. He's like, I'm going to go after people, like, one at a time. He's very you strategic. Know? He waits for his yeah. moment. Yeah, he doesn't rush it, and uh, that makes sense because that's who he'd be. He's like, why would I stick my neck out for somebody, you know, that I don't know, and just die for them? Mm-hmm. It's not his style. Wes and Humongous probably have the best death scenes in the movie. Yeah, you're probably right. They die at the same exact time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. He drives <laughs> yeah. right into it. <laughs> How great was that scene? Very practical still, too. It's like, I'm surprised it wasn't uh, like a huge like flaming explosion like the the base is the camp which is so good you know what i love also is the bad guys that are left they drive up and they're like oh and they just drive away yeah. <laughs> it's like uh this is a lost cause voice we're getting out of here what yeah. did you think of the reveal that it was sand in the tanker i like that i think that's pretty good i don't i don't know if i thought that going in or i've been trying to be better about this because uh, you you guys are probably like me, and people who watch this are probably or listen to this are probably like me, where you're always trying to think ahead. You're trying to think like, where is this going to go? Yeah. Uh, but I try to think of movies kind of like a theme park ride, where you're trying to just like live in the moment, and it's fun because of the reveals that are given to you versus like the, oh yeah, this is clearly what they're going to do next. So when that portion came, I thought I was like, oh, did they trick Max as well? It's like, would yeah. he not? Ooh, like, you know, kind of thing. That was where I was. Max going at. wasn't around when they planned it. He was probably unconscious right? at the time. Yeah, exactly. And you know, even if he wasn't, uh, it's still like a cool thing because it's like, oh, these guys like they fought so hard and died and for nothing. Like it's just, yeah. <laughs> it's I, just dirt. You, the civilized people they were smart. They knew that you can almost. You know, I've seen the movie enough times that I pay attention to Papa Gallo. He's saying, we're going to crash or we'll crash through and they're going to all come after us. And that's your window to get out of here. Take everything and leave. They don't care about you. They just want this place or they want the tanker. So they rig the their uh, base, you know, their home to explode after they leave. And then they have no gas in the tanker at all, which I think is fantastic. So I wonder if they were planning, like, the people who went on that, they probably were like, we're going to die. But we're going to die so our people can get away. 
My main fear would have been like they find it out way too soon and can catch up to our people, you know? Yeah, right? Yeah. That would have been my main fear, but Or would they have enough people left over Right to attack the tribe? And um like I said, I've seen the movie so many times that there's a there's a scene, you know, during the big chase where I think it it might be when they kill the warrior woman and the the mechanic guy and they pull him mm-hmm. off, you can see sand pouring out of the bottom of the tanker. Like it's coming oh, really? out. Yeah, if you pay attention, huh. you can see it already happening. And they just weren't paying attention to it, thank goodness, but Yeah. Oh, that's so funny too. And like you wonder because they call Max an honorable man that if they were like yeah, you're the only one we wanted you to do it in the first place. If this was like a plan they had later, if they had it all along where they're like, we can just send this crazy guy out, you know, with his truck and he'll lead them all away. And if he dies, it's, you know, no real problem. I don't know, but I wouldn't put it past people in this world because it's like, everybody's out for themselves. Do you love that? The, um, the gyro captain helps him too. in that whole, I do. And I love that he becomes like the partner to him that Max isn't like, he doesn't say, like, I don't want you around. Like, later on, he even is, like, kind of happy to see him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he saves his life. But uh, I do like, too, that there's, like, this moment where, like, the gyro captain's going to sneak off with one of the ladies there because she, like, wants a different life. She doesn't want to die there. But she's like, you know what? No, I'm going to stay. This is my family. And he's like, oh, okay, I guess I'm staying then, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> like, I guess we're all going to die here together. That's fine. You know, uh, yeah, It's there's, like, some nice sweetness in this film full mm-hmm. of, like, really horrible people. Yeah. And, you know, at that part at the end when uh, everything's done, it's over with, and Max is leaning against the tanker with the kid, and the gyro captain drives up on his destroyed <laughs> gyrocopter. Gyrocopter. And it's just going... <laughs> And he just kind of like, he's smoking a cigar and he kind of winks at him or whatever. And Max smiles for like, just like a millisecond. And then yeah, goes right? back to seriousness. I was surprised that Jar Captain survived that crash because I was like, I can't put it past this movie for him to crash yeah. on well, he, screen like that and be he dead. He crashes like, pretty hard. He's like, oh, yeah. and it looks like he goes boom right into the ground. It's just like, yeah. oh, you hate to see it. Yeah, because in any other movie, it'd be an explosion, you die, right? And there's even the part where I love when uh, Lord Humongous shoots at him, because he's got that gun with, like, two bullets left or something. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a sweet gun. And, Steven, what were you going to say there? Oh, I was saying the, the, how crazy he was, was like, just nose-diving that down in there. You wouldn't expect, expect him to live through something like that. Yeah. Oh, totally not. Yeah, and I, I love that, like, nothing in this world seems pretty or sacred, you know, to a degree, but, like, Lord Humongous has this sick revolver that's in, like, a nice case, and it's got, like, six bullets, and he's just, like, he, like, loads them ever so slightly, you know, and you're like, oh my gosh, this guy's got, like, some, like, weaponry taste. Like, you he's get the kind sense of, like, that he's, man. he's a war veteran of some kind, yeah, right. and he's had, he's scarred badly. Or maybe radiation sickness because his hair looks like it's falling out. So they gave him some kind of weird backstory, you know, but we don't really know it. But he wears yeah. a mask probably because he looks hideous, you know? Yeah, well, there's that shot, too, where he's talking to, like, Wes or somebody else, but they focus in on his, like, pulsing skull for, like, a yeah. long time. And I was like, I was like, why are they doing this? <laughs> and if you got to think about his move at the end... 
he sacrifices himself for his people. Yeah. He thinks he's going to stop the tanker. And then they'll all get the gas. Little does he know it's just dirt in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> but yeah, Papa Gallo, he got it bad, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Such a right in the back, too. It's all, like on his weird vehicle. All of the people who went on that pretty much died horribly. Yep. Except for Max and the kid. But I love when Max is just blowing dudes off of the truck with a yeah, shotgun. Dude. And yep. the kid's no going, looks. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. <laughs> God, it's been I love so that long too. since I've seen that movie. Oh, I watch it at least once a year. You know, yeah. <laughs> I love that movie so much. But is this a movie you'll probably watch again in a year? Maybe you know, become part of the rotation? Or <laughs> I don't know. That's a great question because, like, it does have me interested because it looks like the first Mad Max was not as post-apocalyptic as this one is. But it's, I could be completely right? wrong. Mad Max is like the end of civilization yeah. where okay. it hasn't quite fallen apart yet, but people. Like, the gangs are taking over the highways, as they say in the mm-hmm. opening, where you have to worry about those marauders and stuff. But people live in cities still. But civilization... Oh, because, is, yeah, Max was a cop. It's yeah, the, Max is a, is a cop, and civilization doesn't have long, basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, you know, I'm kind of curious now, especially because I've been playing the game about more <laughs> of this stuff, and it also just really makes me want like to watch fury road again because that's uh-huh. like fully in kind of apocalypse and uh this kind of prequel they've been working on for a while too about furiosa i'm very uh, curious yeah. as what do you think of beyond thunderdome <laughs> sure because i've heard that's a weird one it is a weird one they take max into weird places in that and uh okay. i still watch you, you watch it with the um... I'm trying to think how to word this. I've watched Thunderdome every once in a while, and there's a lot of head shaking on my part. Like, ah, I don't know what they were thinking with this. But also, <laughs> some parts I'm like, you know, I kind of like this, but I... Well, you said they, they swapped, they switched directors, or one quit, right? Well, no, and, uh, or, there's how, two directors. Okay, two directors. George Miller directed every Mad Max film, except he had a co-director on Thunderdome. Okay. For some reason. And uh, parts of the film, when Max is away from Bartertown, was the other director. So so it's like two different, really two different stories happening. Yeah, it's it's very it's very strange, Jimmy. That's all I'll say. <laughs> okay, that's a stunning endorsement for that one. It's yeah. just like, yeah, I was shaking my head. And, and also I don't know Tina what Turner's doing. in it, and let's have her do Sick. some songs. And it's like, yeah. what? Because yeah, I didn't man. see any place for a song in the Road Warrior. <laughs> uh, uh, you might have missed it, but they like to play "Happy Birthday" on a little music box. Oh, you're right. <laughs> it's the only time. And it's no singing, but I love the kid. He's like, ha, 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 ha. he loves that thing, doesn't he? Yeah, he loves it so much. He so, what was great. your favorite stunt in the movie? Uh, okay, stunt. That's ooh. <laughs> um. Oh, do 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 do. I can you know, remind you of one, wondering if that's what it is. Oh, wait, okay, what's the one that you're thinking of? A guy's on a... It's after one of the vehicles crashes. It's during the big chase at the end. He's on a motorcycle. He hits it, and his whole body goes flying through the air. Yeah, ah, really through the air. That's yeah. pretty good. Do you remember uh, that? I, yeah, it's... Um, you know, weirdly, it's not really a stunt on his part, but from the guys who do it, 
I do love the the double kill that he gets while he's in the cab driving the no look he like shooting up and then shooting the guy on the side because uh-huh. there's like they're crawling all over the car or the the cab and there's something about that it's not like a huge like big moment but for some odd reason like those guys flying off it's like oh yeah he's got this like double barrel shotgun that's like really scary and he doesn't really use it a lot and it's kind of a big deal once he gets shells because he gets like paid in shells like yeah. someone's like i've scripted and saved and this is all i could give you and they like give him like two shotgun shells he's like oh thank you it's almost uh, like money isn't it <laughs> yeah right there's also a weird one early on when they're watching uh and i i couldn't make out what it was happening at first but when max first sees the camp He's watching the kind of the marauders, the raiders attack it. And it's like, it's kind of hard to tell that they're fighting that way. And there's a person on the flamethrower who's like doing the flamethrower. And then they just kind of fall off. And I was thinking, I was like, oh, they're fighting. And someone just got shot. And then someone else just kind of pushes them aside and kind of or jumps on the flamethrower and starts doing him like, oh, that's so funny. Because you don't hear a gunshot. You don't go down. You just see it through his binoculars. Yeah. And it's so weird. So I was like. Oh wow! From his perspective, he'd be like, "Oh, what's going on down there? Oh, people are falling. Oh, they're killing each other." You also <laughs> see a like, guy on a motorcycle like do a jump into the compound. <laughs> yeah, and you're I'm like, up. "Wait, what?" I was like, "This is an impregnable wall." And it's like, yeah. uh, "Just grab a few like motorcycles." And you got to think that guy got killed bike. as soon as that guy landed. They killed him. You know, yeah, somebody yeah. shot him with an arrow or something. Yeah, I love uh, that part too. Like, the when uh, Max comes with the truck, comes back with the truck, some of the bad guys get in and they close the gate, which is that bus. Yeah. And they're like, the gate! Open the gate! And there's a guy who drives up, but he doesn't make it in. And Papa Gallo hops on the flamethrower and just goes... And yeah. like sets his whole car on fire and it blows up. That's and the, so good. The guy's like got pink hair and like a pink beard and everything. And he's just like, oh, like he knows he's totally screwed. Like his I pink car, like he saw the back of that bus backing up and he just slammed on the brakes because he's like, I'm not going to make it. And then it just yeah. went really downhill from there. Which you is gotta great. love that, that guy. He had pink hair. He had a pink car. He had a whole motif going. He you did, know? yeah, that which is kind color. of amazing. <laughs> yeah, right. Like out in the desert, he was like, you know what? I'm gonna commit to this. And they like he they found a pink car once, and he's like, I'll be the pink guy. Like <laughs> I wanted one of the yeah. bad guys to go. They got Pink Larry or something. You know, like get a name like that. Or they well, got Pinky. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, they even have like some wacky stuff where it's like they'll knock over a tent and like two people will be in there kind of like <laughs> yeah. doing something. And I'm, it's like some of the stuff, like it's like super serious. And then it's like, oh, that's kind of funny. Like I'm like, oh, those people are. There's a crazy edit in the movie that still kind of I, I laugh at. It's during the whole scene where Max comes up with the truck, they show a guy he's working under his car and his legs are sticking out of the bottom. They immediately cut to a guy running, and he gets in the car, and he starts it up. I always think, like, my brain is like, he's getting in that car. Does he realize that guy? But it's not yep. the same car. But it right. fools you for a second. Yeah. And then, mm-hmm. of course, that car gets bumped, and you just hear, oh! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're just waiting for that to happen. Like, that's the bad time to change your oil, buddy. <laughs> you know? Right. Totally. And I know it's not technically like a stunt, but I do want to bring up that explosion of the camp is oh. incredible. It's beautiful. It's like, it is I don't fantastic. know, there's something about it. I was just like, wow, that's a good one. Was that a <laughs> chef's kiss moment? It nah. might have been because I was watching. I was like, oh, and just old fashioned explosions. And maybe that's, you know, the American in me. Because you uh, know when you watch that, it. they're like, 
they were done filming there, and they're like, "All right, let's blow up this location, mate." You know, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. I love it. Uh, it's so good because like it, it keeps on giving too because they hold on it for a while and it just keeps like exploding. <laughs> You're like, wow! And it's so amazing that that camp even exists in the state it does in the first place. But if it was like an actual like gasoline mining facility or whatever, mm-hmm. like yeah, a pumping station, it would be it would be quite. Uh, stupendous or spectacular. I love that they got some of the bad guys too with that blast. Oh yeah, they're just toast. Oh, just gone. Like yeah, <laughs> that was most excellent. Yes, it's like oh, they're they're just like we finally got it. It's just like they're so dumb. Like they're just so eager, you know, to get in. They're like, well, fine. If they want to run away, we'll take over. And it's like, shouldn't have done that. <laughs> That's awesome. So I I can. It's fair to say you enjoyed the movie. I did, yeah. Uh, like I said, there's a few things I probably would change, but it's just because of my modern sensibilities and love of dogs. Um, but besides <laughs> that, I mean, it's a movie that came out. Do you know like how many times like, years ago I tried to know? rethink, like, how could he have kept his car in the movie still been the same way? You know, did right. you have any pain when you saw his car get destroyed? Yeah, I was like, oh no, that's kind of like his thing. I was like, how did they destroy that? It's kind of like if. It's a little bit different, I suppose, but like if the Batmobile gets completely destroyed mm-hmm. and Batman couldn't afford another one, like the banks were like, no more, man. And he's like, I just, I, I just need a little more money because this is going to be the last <laughs> time. But like, you know, Bruce Wayne's always got another one. But yeah, Max losing that, it felt painful because it's like a huge part of his identity. Well, if that's any reason to go watch the first film is that's when he first gets the V8 Interceptor and you get to see it brand new. Oh, nice. And then the second movie, it's a post-apocalyptic version. But I think it's kind of <laughs> cruel the way George Miller was like, ah, let's give him the same car again for Fury Road and we'll destroy it again. And it's just like, why do you keep doing this stuff? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you and, hurt me. And even in Fury Road, they rebuild it. The War Boys do. And it looks yeah. even cooler. And then mm-hmm. it gets destroyed again. It gets destroyed twice in the movie. It's like, what are you yeah. doing, man? <laughs> He's playing with your heart, man. That's just like, yeah, like, yeah you, you like this? It's, it's no. the lore yeah. of the car and the man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And it, it always carries finds weight. A vehicle. Yeah. Hmm. You know, he's just going to find another car somewhere. Yeah, right? He'll, <laughs> He'll drive whatever he can. Yeah, it's, Max will be fine. It's like in every story, no matter what car he finds, it's always the V8 Interceptor. Uh, yeah. The yeah, last of like, the V8 Interceptors. Exactly. But there's like just enough for every time you lose one, Max, you'll find another one. It's just like who you are. It's like his steed. Like he's got yeah. a magical steed and it just keeps coming back to life in different ways. There's like, something oh, I, I'm trying to think of it. Fury Road had this, but the other films did is that Max has incredible reflexes. He's really fast. He's just quick at whatever he does. You know, he catches a snake. Never seen a man beat the snake before, you know? Yeah, right. And he also can rig stuff with bombs. And that, no, no, there is the part in Fury Road where he takes the bombs and he goes, plants them in the road for them. Remember that part? He goes, I'll be right back. Because in Beyond Thunderdome, he has a rigged vehicle again. Yeah. And they're, the guys are like, whoa, I can't even touch this. This thing's rigged to blow to hell, (laughs) you know? So, Max is good with, like, explosives, and he can catch snakes with his bare hands. <laughs> he's, he's got quick reaction. Yeah. yeah. I wanted another scene like the Fury Road one you're just talking about there, because there's something about the mystery of Max that, like, when he goes away, 
and does something and shows back up and they're like, oh, you're bleeding? Is that blood? And, you know, Furious is like, that's not his blood. Like, there's something about, like, the scenes you don't see and, like, what he does, you know, without the cameras or without anyone noticing or, you know, recognizing what it does to, like, increase the legend where you're like, oh, my gosh, like, how did you, how did you survive that, let alone, like, come out of it, like, ahead, you know, uh, yeah. but there's something about him that is kind of mystical that people are just, you know, you see him and you hear about him. You're like, oh, you're that guy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. OK, cool. You know? Yeah. And did you get what I was saying? Like how the only thing that dates itself about the Road Warrior after you see Fury Road is that they're going way faster in the vehicles in Fury Road and they look like they're going about 20 miles an hour in the Road Warrior, you know? <laughs> Sure. And again, because like it was my first time and I've only recently caught this again with Raiders uh, to like go back and look for that sort of thing. It still felt pretty fast, but Mm -hmm. because it, you know, it was an older, it was, you know, actually shot this way back in the day, like on these roads, not the Fury Road wasn't, but uh, they had a little more assistance from, you know, different things that they could do nowadays. And the music is so much more of a big part, I think, in Fury Road. That's like just this crazy, intense music all the time. Not that the music here was bad. Uh, oh yeah, but, yeah. The music in the Road Warrior, uh, it's pretty bombastic. It's pretty good. Yeah, it just it wasn't. It didn't feel like as uh, to me as adrenaline pumping. And maybe that's mm-hmm. because they were only driving fifteen miles per hour, and I didn't, my brain didn't <laughs> you know, catch it. I was just like, oh, they're jumping around on this truck. I got to say, it's around. just because of me, and I grew up with the road wear. I'll take the road wear music over Junky XL any day. Oh man, how dare you? He's Mr. <laughs> Mr. Hulkenberg or Hulk? Was it what Tom is Hulkenborg? Yeah, Hulkenborg, Mr. Hulkenberg, Borg. I'm I'm so sorry for what he don't. Don't judge him. It was 40 years ago. All right. Like, you know, give him a chance. Uh, which is funny because they actually used in the trailers and they use it just a little bit in Fury Road. Um, a little bit of a classical piece that I really love, uh, called Disarray from Verdi's Requiem and, uh, yeah, stuff I like that. that. Trailer. They use it's, that. Man, that, uh, what a killer trailer, but like, what a cool franchise. And like, I know Mel Gibson wasn't in Fury Road and you could say that Max is, you know, or Mel is Max or whatever. I like Tom Hardy's performance, but this was still like, it felt like this was the old fashioned, you know, genuine Max. You know, he's got this weird hair that kind of sticks out in weird ways. And he's got this weird kind of outfit that's got like one sleeve and not another. And his little leg yeah. brace that you were talking about. And he's got the dog and everything. You kind of get the like, idea. Oh, he yeah. cuts his hair with his pocket knife or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a really apt description and he's just driving he's just trying to he's just got involved he didn't want to but he did he's like yeah yeah that's always what happens he's a little selfish at first and then he becomes selfless and ends up helping somebody reluctant hero don't you should love it you know i love it so uh i guess that's our talk on the road warrior thank you so much for watching it I think that's cool. Oh, of course. It was so much fun. And I appreciate you uh, asking me to do that because, like, I'm always happy to check out films if someone's like, hey, not for a podcast necessarily, but just like, I want to talk to you about it. I'll do that anytime. Yeah, that was fun because, you know, I love the film. So it was nice talking to you about that. So what do you say we take a quick break and then uh, do you still have time to stick around? Of course I do. All right. Bless you, Heather. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Perfect timing. <Kazoon> tight, Heather. <laughs> Jimmy said Kazoon tight. All right, so let's take a quick break, and then we're going to do a little bit of news. 
Some news? And we'll talk about some new releases. All right? Does that sound good? Wonderful. Don't make this weird. You can roll a roll to your pal. It's chocolate covered caramel. Roll a roll to the yard chums. It's chewy and it's chocolate and it's lots of fun. Rolo, chewy caramel and real milk chocolate all rolled together. Rolo. You can roll a Rolo to your friend. It's chocolate covered caramel from end to end. What do we have here? It's Castle Grayskull. And it's mine. That's so fast, Beastman. He-Man. You can pit He-Man against Beastman playing for the power of Castle Grayskull. You have to put the castle together. Beastman's escaping. What's wrong, Dad? Dad, you saved the castle. Castle Grayskull from the Masters of the Universe collection. He-Man and Beastman each sold separately from Mattel. Um, hey, Hannah, you know, I think you really can't be a good rewatch of a TV show. Would you agree with that, love? Oh, yes, I would. Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I think during, you know, global pandemics, storms, all of these things, it's quite nice to just sit down and burn through something that you've seen a million Absolutely times. Absolutely. Nothing like a binge watch. Star Trek. Babylon 5. Because you could sit there for hours looking at serial killer documentaries. Absolutely. Uh, that Netflix. doesn't make you a weird person uh, at all. It doesn't. Yeah, you could watch documentaries that all seem to be about women killing men. Love you, darling. You could put off watching Daredevil for the 30th time. Harry Potter. But really, you can't be immersing yourself in the warm jumper of a rewatch of a show of or a, a franchise. beloved franchise. A beloved franchise. Lord of the Rings. Twin Peaks. From VHS compilations recorded off television with the ad breaks, cut out, of course, to DVD box sets of Sex in the City and, I don't know, Smallville. <laughs> Farscape. Quantum Leap. To giving up finding new content on Netflix and just having a comfort trawl through Star Trek The Next Generation or Parks and Recreation. I think that we can all agree... There's a lot to be said for that. You can't beat a good rewatch. So, with that in mind, join... Anna. And Mike from Chinstroke vs. Panzer as we burn through some of our favourite franchises and share our immediate reactions to each instalment in both spoiler and non-spoiler sections. To do that, do a search for The Rewatch Project with Hannah and Mike on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever your favourite podcast provider may be, or go directly to anchor.fm forward slash rewatch project. We are proud members of the Pod Syndicate family of podcasts. In the future, cities will become deserts. Roads will become battlefields. And the hope of mankind will appear as a stranger. The Road Warrior. Rated R. Starts May 21st at the Man's Vogue Hollywood in Man's National Westwood. All right, guys. Just a little advertisement here. We got our paid live spot. And I want to fill you guys in on this great deal. Grananas International Peanut Butter of the Month Club. How exciting does that sound? 
delicious. If you sign up now for the low, low price of $99.99 a year, that's only that's a cent less than $100, Stephen. You will receive peanut butter from all around the globe every single month. That's right. How exciting does this sound, Jimmy? Try oh, very. Extra crunchy from Zimbabwe. All right? Mm. Creamy goodness from Haiti. Or even one of my personal faves, extra goober grape style from New Zealand. Each of these new exciting peanut butters are guaranteed to have that special granana flavor. Or flavor if you are from somewhere other than the United <laughs> States. Now, uh, that's with a U. I don't know if that really works or, you know. You get my gist. Steven, now I give you a sample of extra crunchy from Turkey and this extra crunchy from Bangkok. Now, I want you to taste each kind and tell me what you think. Hmm. Okay, they, they taste very similar. Now, what you're tasting um, there is Granana's goodness, Steve. Oh, is it? Yeah. Now, Jimmy, okay. I've given you some samples from uh, flavors from both Canada and Australia. Now, how would you say those, fam, mate? Um, you know, it's kind of strange. I never thought I'd want maple syrup flavored peanut butter before, but it's actually not too bad. And I'll say this much. I wasn't expecting shrimp in peanut butter either, but the one from Australia does have a meaty aftertaste, if you know what I'm saying. It's a bit of all right. Now, that's right. With that Granana's guarantee, each and every jar of peanut butter tastes exactly the same. Now that's Granatastic. Sign up now using the code LANDFILL and you will receive an extra creamy jar of peanut butter straight from Bangor, Maine. That's home of author Stephen King. Wow, my favorite. Isn't that nifty? Okay, and then there's some small print here. It says to read really fast and nondescript. Okay. Each jar of Granana's International Peanut Butter is shipped from Mulberry, Texas, and this paid ad does rightfully admit that there is any difference in quality no matter what the label says. That's Granana's Peanut Butter of the Month Club. Thanks, guys. Night falls. Adventure calls. We are gargoyles. We live, we soar, we fight. We are gargoyles, protectors of the night. When darkness falls, evil tribes and stone-cold statues come alive. Goliath, Brooklyn, Lexington, we are Godfathers. Evil Sanatos, deadly trouble, wants to smash us all to rubble, but night brings life. We are Godfathers, we race, we roar, we ride. When Godfathers come alive, evil can't survive. We are Godfathers. It's so summerly. Have you ever wondered what so-called family films will scar your kids forever? Put, put your four or five-year-olds in front of this movie. It's like, if they didn't know what death was before this, they're going to know it after it. They're going to know it after it, and they're going to be freaking terrified. And they're going to be questioning you. Yeah. Or do you have the slight suspicion that your loved one has a cold, dead heart? Yeah, the Dark Knight has got like, all the orphans, and like, oh no, we're going to die. They did not build up those orphans at all. In my head, it's like, kill them. Then look no further, the His Film Her Movie podcast is the show for you. It's the movie podcast that celebrates the contrasting cinematic tastes of its hosts. So join Jordan and Lauren every week on their unique journey through the land of the silver screen. So if you're looking for a few laughs, some fun film-related chat, then get involved. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
buddy and kid sister. Eat sold separately from Play School. Oh, just look at the fun those kids are having. I love these sweet, fruity, colorful tricks. Lemon yellow. I can't stand it. Orange, orange. Raspberry red. Crazy purple. I've just got to get some tricks. The fun part of this complete breakfast. I know how I'll get some tricks. <laughs> just a little paint and... There, please feed the rabbit tricks. Hmm, that's strange. I thought tricks were for kids. But it says right here, please feed the rabbit tricks. Look, he has his bolt and everything. Well, I guess. Here. Mm, sweet, colorful, fruity tricks. I knew it. Please don't feed the animals. Tricks are so fruity, <gasps> so colorful, and so much fun. They're made just for us. Silly rabbit. Tricks are for kids. Okay, rabbit feeding time. Oh, boy. No time for breakfast. There's always time for McDonald's. Are you hot? Get set! Start! Your morning at McDonald's. We're right on your way. You got it fast, fresh, friendly. What a way to start today. Egg McMuffin on the run. Hot coffee to go. Carry out. Drive on through. Either way you know. It's great when we're together. Don't start without us. McDonald's and Proud sponsor of the 84 Olympics. All right, guys, we are back. Are right, Jimmy you having a good time? <laughs> oh, I'm having a ball. I love it so much. I'm just getting um some peanut butter out of my teeth, but uh it's you know, I'm excited <laughs> to be here. They we took a twenty minute break just for me. It's thick to the roof of my mouth. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's really not good to eat peanut butter when you're doing a podcast, is it? I just, I, you know, I wanted to play ball. You sent it to me, and I was like, I gotta eat it. So, you know, <laughs> hands are tied. Now, guys, here's the time in the show where we're going to do some entertainment news. What do you say? Let's do it. Let's Woo. do the news. Now, Jimmy, this is the part in the show where I read some silly news stories, okay? Wonderful. For instance, this, straight out of People magazine. Mark Hamill reveals he secretly appeared in every Star Wars movie since 2015. What? How can that be? Mark Hamill has been making secret voice cameos in every Star Wars movie since The Force Awakens. Mark Hamill has secretly had his hand in every Star Wars movie since 2015. It says again, okay, I've now said that three times. The iconic actor who played Luke Skywalker in several films of the saga revealed on Twitter that fans have yet to catch on to his secret cameos. After the official Twitter account Wikipedia posted about Hamill, who is 69 years of age, voicing a character in the Disney Plus show The Mandalorian, Hamill made an even bigger revelation. Did you know 
I voiced multiple secret voice cameos in every Star Wars movie since 2015. I've now said four times. <laughs> he clarified the sequels Solo and Rogue One. All right. Hamill made more than one cameo in The Mandalorian. In the final episode of Season 2, a CGI version of Luke Skywalker rescues the Mando and Grogu, better known as Baby Yoda. No, he's not. That's what he was originally known as. He's Grogu now. Who wrote this? In a heartwarming final scene, Mando watched as Grogu departed. Why are they giving this away? Maybe somebody hasn't watched it. After the episode aired, Hamill tweeted, The fact that we were able to keep my involvement a secret for over a year with no leaks is nothing less than a miracle. A real triumph for spoiler haters everywhere. Hamill also appeared in Star Wars A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, and Rise of... Oh, thank you so much, article. <laughs> you guys wouldn't have known that. Everybody knows that. How is that informative, Jimmy? I'm not sure. I was just going to ask, who was he in Empire Strikes Back? He was like one of the guys in the back, right? Like, yeah, I, I think I don't he did know an any... Ugnaught or something like that. Oh, <laughs> that, I, I, that makes way more sense now. Okay, cool. Thank you. Appreciate that clarification. Now, here's some exciting video game news. Jimmy, are you a fan of Dead Space? I am a fan of Dead Space. You are the space horror game? Well, get this. One of Survivor Horror's most iconic... Survivor Horrors? Or is it Survival Horror? I, I'm always critiquing the people's writing in these stories. Yeah, yeah. They one do of, poor, piss poor jobs. <laughs> one of Survival Horror's most iconic games is getting a next-gen facelift. At its EA Play Live event, Electronic Arcs revealed that a remake of the original Dead Space is in development and will be launching on the PC, PlayStation 5, and Xbox Series X. The publisher says the game is rebuilt from the ground up with EA's Frostbite engine. Oh, they love that Frostbite engine. And Studio Motive, best known for the space shooter Star Wars Squadron, will be or Squadrons, will be handling development. There's currently no release date. We won't be hearing about this game again until, when, 2024, maybe? Uh, <laughs> this will mark uh, the first entry in the franchise since Dead Space 3 in 2013. So does this excite you, Jimmy? You know, it is a tantalizing thing. Uh, it's just kind of weird, and I feel a little bit bad. I hope the people at EA Motive are excited to do it, because I like Star Wars Squadrons. I think it's a really cool game, and I hope they bring that same passion to this. But I also... I'm kind of curious to see, like, I wonder why they were put on it for a remake, you know, for yeah. Dead Space. And it's not that it's a too old of a game. I think they're just trying to judge and see, you know, after they shut down Visceral, uh, you know, if there's still enough interest in the Dead Space franchise, which, spoiler alert, there totally is. And I think you probably look at Resident Evil uh, and see that that's still going strong. So, yeah, I think it's cool. Uh, I just wish it was Dead Space 4 instead of a remake. Yeah. No, I've never played it, but uh, I've heard it's good. Yeah, it's good. It's freaky. It's uh, really intense. And it's not the type of game that you'd probably find me normally playing. I did play a bit of it back in college, and uh, it's it's harrowing. But uh, if you like... Like, just imagine if Ripley got to some weapons way earlier on in Aliens or yeah. Alien, and there's more to fight. Like, that's kind of what it feels like. Awesome. And it said yeah. it's next-gen only, by the way, so that's pretty Oh, cool. that's impressive. And again, Motive's a good team. Uh, they'll do a great job with it. I have no doubt about that. 
Hopefully, they're really motivated. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Okay, next in video game kind of news, this is more television news, but The Last of Us has cast Anna Torv of Fringe to play a part in the new HBO series. That's right. Anna Torv, put your game face on. Who wrote this already? They're embarrassing me for reading this. The Fringe actress (laughs) has joined the cast of The Last of Us, HBO's series adaptation of the PlayStation Phenom. Torv will play the recurring character of Tess, a smuggler and hardened survivor in a post-pandemic world. Well, I know her fate now. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Jimmy, you played the first Last of Us, right? I did. So this is exciting because I love the show Fringe. Did you ever watch Fringe? I actually have not, but I've only heard good things. Yeah, that was Stephen and I. Yeah, we, we loved that. We one. love that show. So it's great to know she's going to be in this show. And I have a feeling the first season is going to be they're going to stretch out this first season. That I bet you Joel and Ellie don't head out until like the season finale or something. So that's that's going to be be HBO Max. Yeah, there's going to be world building in this first season, I bet, before we even get to the main bit of the journey. Do you think that's a good guess? Hmm. Yeah, I think that's maybe a good guess. I don't know how many seasons. Have they talked about what their plan or structure is besides the first one? I'm not sure. I know that I think I've read a little bit that they're going to expand on the story. So I picture they're... Maybe Tess will, or you know what they could totally do? Okay, picture this. The series starts, and it's Joel and Ellie already traveling. And they do flashbacks to how they got oh, yeah. there. Which, oh, totally. they don't need to do that. They might do that. They do that a lot on TV. Yep. They did that, on they did that, that stand, with the stand. Stand remake. I'd rather they just start from the beginning and go. Like, yeah. maybe start day one of when everything went down kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, me too. That'd be nice to have a little more linearity to it. Oh, let's see. It says, set two decades after the implosion of current day society, The Last of Us will follow Joel, a tough survivor who is hired to smuggle a 14-year-old girl named Ellie out of an impressive quarantine zone, per the official synopsis. What starts as a small job soon becomes a brutal, heartbreaking journey as they both must traverse across the U.S., and depend on each other for survival. <laughs> you know what I'm excited about one day is when we can make the joke that it's got a really good video game tie-in that you should check <laughs> out. You know what I mean? People yeah. are like, oh yeah, it's really good. <laughs> like, what? Uh, all right. Another story. I don't know if this will excite you guys at all, but Amazon is doing a I Know What You Did Last Summer series. Based on the horrible film franchise. (laughs) Here's a true story. Uh, Heather and I went and saw I Still Know What You Did Last Summer in the theater. It was like a week after our our honeymoon. And I won from work. It was like, I forget, it was some kind of drawing thing that they did. And I won a night at a hotel. And so it was downtown Fort Worth. So Heather and I stayed downtown Fort Worth. Is that what it was, Heather? The Worthington? The The Sheraton. And we're like, hey, let's do something crazy downtown. And like, there were no good movies showing. And we're like, let's go see. I still know what you did last summer. I'm saying that was before downtown Fort Worth really got built up as well. Yeah, there wasn't a lot to do. And Jimmy, have you ever seen I Still Know What You Did Last Summer? 
No, and when you were first starting to talk about it, I thought you were going to say Amazon was doing their own take that was like, I know what you bought last Prime Day. And I was thinking, like, where are you going to go with I know this? what we bought. We have your buyer history. Right? Yeah, I was like, what does Jeff Bezos know about me? I'm so sorry. I bought a charger for my phone. You know. So here's uh, what it says. The streamer revealed that the YA series, is it really a young adult series? Which is a modern take <laughs> on the 1997 slasher is set to debut in October, setting the scene for Halloween. The project is from Sony Pictures Television and studio-based original film. Written by Sarah Goodman, based on the 1973 novel? It's based on a novel? Oh my gosh. I had no idea. In a town full of secrets, a group of teenagers are stalked by a mysterious killer a year after a fatal accident on graduation night. You know, they should have just called the police. Like, we may have been drunk or high, but we ran over this fisherman guy who looks like he's from the side of fish sticks box. And, you know, I want to turn myself in. It's the Gordon fisherman. Do you think the, the fisherman guy would have been like, well, they did get arrested and they served community service. I'm going to go ahead and let this go. You know, they owned up to everything. But it's He's like, kids will be kids. Yeah. But, but they, because, kind of, they tried to dump my body in the ocean. <laughs> yeah, they tried to dump my If anything, the kids should have finished them off, shouldn't they? It's like, back over them. <laughs> no, no, I think he's still alive. Drive. <laughs> One more time. <laughs> it's like, all right, he's dead. Let's go. Perfect. It's, we're going to have a great time in college. <laughs> yeah, all right. So, guys, look forward to that. Okay, final story. I didn't have much to go on. Now, this is for you, Jimmy. Picture, Jimmy, you're in Hollywood. You get hired onto a movie, okay? Mm -hmm. And Sean Penn says, hey, I'm not coming to work till everyone is vaccinated. After returning from the can launch of the film Flag Day, Sean Penn has drawn the line in the sand, one that challenges Hollywood leadership to go further in imposing vaccination requirements for everyone on film or TV set. In a move that likely will reverberate across the industry, still trying to deal with COVID, Penn is refusing to return to work on Gaslit. I think it's hilarious. That's the name of it. The, yeah. the UCP produced Stars limited series he stars with, with Julia Roberts until everyone in the production has been vaccinated from the for the virus. Now, I think that's a pretty good idea, right? You know, you want everyone you I work with to get a job it. on it then. Yeah. Like, Stephen, you work in a place where, does everyone you work with have to, did your job mandate it? They haven't yet. But, but, but most, no, but as far as I know, we haven't been required. Mm -hmm. But they. As kind far of, as you know, have your coworkers? Or do you care if your coworkers have? I haven't, I don't really ask them what they, have they've done it or not. Do you assume that, like. I know, I know the ones that have. Because they've talked about it. Do you think like this? Like, but but I don't work with everybody in my company. You know, there's I work with a handful of people here and there. Do you think like you yourself have been vaccinated? If a guy you're working with has it, that's his problem. He's susceptible. He might get sick. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't. I mean, it's I can't force anyone or even right. And you Jimmy, know, you've like, been vaccinated, right? So I have, yes. So you would would you go up to Sean and go, "Hey, I'm good. <laughs> I'm, I'm your co-star, buddy." I put my arm around him and be like, "Sean, you and me, baby. Let's get gaslit, um, or whatever, you know, like, whatever." <laughs> what if they're like, "Got this young co-star. He's not vaccinated. He 
won't do anything. It's like, what about that guy Jimmy? You know, we, he's kind of he's got a few lines, but he said he's memorized the whole script. Yeah, exactly. No, I'd be on board, and I love that because like it makes sense. Uh, I just looked it up. He's sixty, and uh, you know. Like this job, there are many other jobs where you are working in close proximity with a lot of different people, and I can understand those health risks because we've we've heard of stuff on sets where you know that doesn't people aren't always following the mandates and people get really frustrated or, or worried or scared. You know that's what it really comes down to. So good for him. I think that's great. Like the, you know? the Tom Cruise explosion there. Yeah, the new mm-hmm. when he when he was yelling at everybody for not following protocol and all that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I work with one guy, uh, who said if he didn't work in hospitals, he would never have taken it. Mm. Wow. Really? I guess I just don't understand. I wanted to get it as soon as possible. You know? It's weird. People are like, no, I'm not taking it. I could have taken it sooner, but I kind of opted out of doing that because I wanted to make sure there was enough for all medical personnel to deal with it directly. Mm hmm. You know, it's like, I didn't want to uh, take that one shot from the one nurse that that needs it more than I do, because I can refuse working with a patient. They can't. Early on, when it first was rolling out, there were only so many. Yeah. You know? And And I was like, who can I cut in front of? Uh, So, yeah, I was (laughs) in the the A group, or whatever you want to call it, because I was a quote-unquote frontline worker. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm in, in, in hospitals, but... Like I said, I, I, I don't touch patients, period. You know, it's like yeah. I just deal with the equipment. So. Do you think maybe there's been so much talk of, you know, like, oh, I felt like crap after I got it that some people are just scared of getting it? Well, I mean, most people feel like crap after the flu shot, too. You know, they'll yeah. get similar symptoms. And I, I and I've just... got, we talked two weeks ago that I, yeah, I got a real bad fever. Because I did the one shot, the Johnson Johnson, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I was sick for a good twelve plus hours. Jimmy, you're Team Pfizer, right? I am Team Pfizer. Yes. It, right. Yeah. It's uh. Yeah. What can I say? You know. Uh, <laughs> I was I'm happy Team to get Pfizer. It. Heather's Team Moderna. Okay. All right. She's still cool though. I I heard some talk of like you said you got the Johnson and Johnson. One doctor was saying if you got the Johnson Johnson. Wouldn't hurt you to get a Moderna or Pfizer booster, like just kind of an extra, just one dose. Would you ever consider doing that? Well, until the... I mean, nobody, not everybody said, yeah, you should do that. It's just one doctor's opinion. Um, Unless there's some reason to, mm-hmm. then I wouldn't do it. Yeah, I mean, I have no reason to not do it, but if there's a reason to... The Moderna now does a better job with the Delta or the Lambda. Okay, I'd go do it. Yeah. See, I want, like, <clears throat> I got two Pfizer's. I kind of want two Moderna's, too, in the <laughs> other arm. Just so you're, like, extra. You're balanced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think, Jimmy? Would that be a good idea? I've actually heard stories up here uh, in Minnesota where people who are doing just that, or they're trying to get like all three somehow, like they're trying to like <laughs> wow. work around the system. So you got people who are like anti-vaxxers, but you have people who are like super pro-vaxxers. Like, dude, I'm like, an enthusiastic vaxxer, man. <laughs> yeah, they're like, I'll take it all, baby. Uh, yeah. Give it to me. 
Yeah. Well, I know they're different because mine is the DNA-based one, and then the Pfizer Moderna are both RNA-based. So I don't think there would be a conflict, but maybe a conflict between the two RNA, mm. the Moderna and Pfizer, maybe. I don't know. Would you be willing to be a guinea pig? No, I'm never a <laughs> guinea pig. <laughs> like, uh, Stephen, uh, we need you to try this out and just let us know how you Where's feel. Where's the million dollars plus? <laughs> yeah. And then said, I need a million we a, have a, a year of, afterwards. bag of unmarked bills here and <laughs> coupons to your favorite restaurant. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I was saying, like, what if you get two Pfizer's, two Modernas? Four shots. So I'm, like, mega... He wants to be mega immune. I was like, oh! <laughs> it's like you That's can see. what I kind of think, too, in that sense. What? Until everybody's vaccinated, mm-hmm. I don't want to take any more because then I'm taking someone else's quote-unquote vaccine. Yeah, but, you know, you'd feel special, though, so that's <laughs> all I'm saying. I'm now, just over th- here workshopping an idea for either, like, I don't know if it's an assassin or, like, a superhero who, like, goes out at night <laughs> and is, like, trying to vaccinate anti-vaxxers. And they're and he's like, you're welcome. And they're like, I didn't want this. Or, like, it's the assassin one. He's, like, kind of loading up the sniper rifle. And he's, like, he's like target acquired. It's just, like, you've got the CDC on the other end. And they're like, take the shot. And he's just, like, just shooting into an apartment building and, like, vaccinating people while they're sleeping. Just, like, slowly and quietly. He's like, I got him in the foot. Got that one in the ear. You know. Uh, so that'd be pretty great. That would be awesome. That could be on, like, I think you should leave Sketch or something. Yes, totally. I'll call Tim <laughs> Robinson up. We'll hang out. I'm sure he and I can uh, talk over some sloppy steaks. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Look, we're going to do our next segment. This is called What's on Our Roku? Okay, how long does this go? I don't remember. Uh, Jimmy, I've got a lot of bits on the show, just so you know. I love it. No, yeah, I've heard the show. It's great, man. It's so good. Okay, so this is where I talk about what's on our streaming devices, okay? And uh, first of all, I just wanted to say that Masters of the Universe is on Netflix, the animated series by Kevin Smith. Remember that old cartoon? I was a little too old for He-Man, but I knew what it was. I was too, yeah. But I watched the first episode just because I was curious about it. I think the animation's, like, really good. They, like, spent a lot of time or money, I don't know, but the animation's pretty sharp looking. And, Jimmy, it's not that weird computer animated animation. It looks like 2D animation. Okay, that's a selling point for me, so I'm glad you you know me, so you said the right thing. (laughs) And it looks, I mean, I gotta say, the first episode, you know, like, the cartoons back in the day, the cartoon existed to sell the toys. And I don't think stuff happens in the cartoon, but not nothing, like, really happens, you know? It's just like a little adventure, everything goes back to normal. This first episode, it throws everything on its ear, changes up everything about the characters, and there's dire consequences kind of thing. And I could tell, like, they're really trying to trick Amp stuff up. up so i was like you know what i think i'm gonna keep watching this it's only five episodes it's like a 10 episode first season but this is part one of season one and uh i think i'm gonna check out more of it now another 
series. I don't know if you guys have watched the movies that made us on Netflix. No. Uh, it's, season one is on Netflix, and I'm trying to think of, I think it was Ghostbusters. But the latest batch of episodes offer a comprehensive look at Jurassic Park. Okay. Back to oh. the Future. Forrest Gump. And okay. Stephen, your favorite, Pretty Woman. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> they had me until Pretty Woman. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I'm not, I don't really even care about the Forrest Gump one, but I'm curious about the Jurassic Park and Back to the Future. Yeah. And Jimmy, what this is, is people talking about how, you know, they'll interview, like, all of a sudden there's Kevin Smith, and he's like, oh, this movie changed my life. Or it'll have, you know, this person, this actor, or whatever. It, different famous people will talk about how they love the movie or different film critics and stuff like that. So if you really love Jurassic Park, I think you might dig that episode. I totally want to check that out. Like one day I want that to be me. And if it's not about Jurassic Park, I want it to be like this, like Lord of the Rings thing. And people are watching it and it gets to my segment. They're like, who's this guy? And why is he talking about Lord of the Rings? He does a 45 minute segment. He just goes on and on and on. <laughs> I'm like, it changed my life and I love it so much. <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> Sometimes I can only take so much of people gushing about stuff they love. There was a documentary about the last blockbuster on Netflix. Have you guys seen oh, that? Oh, yeah. Or any it's of pretty good. No. Yeah. I they lost me halfway through it. I was like, oh, okay, I get it. And like really? I don't care about Blockbuster that much. You know. I think there was too many shtick bits, like the guy Like the Blockbuster franchise? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. The guy he was like it showed how he was walking to the Blockbuster and then he goes around and he finds the right movie and then he and checks it have, out. You didn't have all the fond memories of you and I well, I do. Hunting the the perfect movie. I do, you and I, but I didn't want to see this guy. Oh, movie. gotcha. You gotcha, know, gotcha. I was just like, all right, I get it. You know. Were you not flashing back to us hunting on a Friday night, Saturday night? <laughs> Jimmy, uh, Steve and I used to walk up and down the Blockbuster for like two hours looking for the right movie to rent. Aw, that sounds fantastic. Sometimes mm. it was the movie Ticks starring Alfonso <laughs> Ribeiro. <laughs> and we other, chased the guy who had the only copy. Yeah, there was all the copies were checked out. No, there was only one copy there. Well, I, yeah, a guy picked it up, and we were like, "No, there weren't any other copies. It was only the one movie." Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the guy, I, I don't know why I picture picked, a wall of twenty ticks. Things, yeah, there was just no, one. Was like, they had a copy of ticks. They had a copy. And a guy picked it up. He wa he was like two steps ahead of me, and he grabs it. And some people, what they do is they, they're like, maybe I'm gonna walk around and keep looking. And he was like, Here I'm. I'm walking two steps behind him. I pick up Annie and read it. Like, okay, <laughs> Stephen is stalking down. him I like a serial killer. <laughs> and <laughs> basically, what he does, the guy was like, mm, No, and he puts it back. And Stephen was like, yes! But he didn't put it back at the ticks place. He just set it down. Oh, that's just rude. He put it down somewhere else because I think wherever he picked, whatever movie he picked up, I was like, got it. Here's my memory. Tell me if it's right. You raising your, like, holding ticks up over oh, I, your shoulders yeah, yeah, going, yeah. Jason! And I yeah. look and I'm like, yes! <laughs> we got ticks, everybody! <laughs> we were so excited. Just yelling that in the store about having ticks. <laughs> I've got ticks! And they're like, ooh, dude, you're going to get Lyme disease. Skeeter! <laughs> Skeeter. That's another one. 
Okay. Now, as long as we're talking about... <laughs> Never heard about Skeeter. It's like a killer mosquito movie. Giant mutant killer mosquitoes. Steven, have you or have you not watched a single episode of I Wish You Were Here on Netflix? I, I think you should leave. What am I talking about? I wish you were here. I'm like going. I just made up a show title. Like, I just, think you uh, should leave. I'm about to say, isn't that the. So this the, is a romantic the, comedy. The, the, the comedy? Yeah. I don't know what it is. Uh, yes, I have watched, I think, three or four episodes. Okay, most memorable skit so far that you've seen. Um, oh, geez. It's been, it's been like three weeks and, or two weeks since we watched it. I can't remember. Have you seen uh, the one with Chunky? Yeah, Chunky. I do remember the Chunky one. <laughs> now, <laughs> what about the, uh, has this ever happened to you? Two guys go into your bathroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the the, the plumber skit. Or, <laughs> His foot then, is stuck in the toilet. <laughs> he's like, it's not really. Ha ha! They're laughing at you. <laughs> now the only thing I think Melissa and I both picked up on was that the lead guy who writes it, all his are negative. Mm-hmm. He seems to be kind of the grumpy guy. Mm-hmm. Is that? I think the basis is each sketch is someone that is abrasive and yeah. will never admit they're wrong. Yeah, yeah. Like that very first sketch where the guy's like, oh, the door opens the other way. And he's like, no, it doesn't. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Ugh. Like he's never going to admit. That one was good. Him. I was like, that was funny. He's never in a million years going to admit he opened the door wrong. So he pulls, he pulls off its hinges, you know. Breaking the hinges and whatnot. Yeah, I think that's a major, like, theme in a lot of them. Yeah. That first season. got You got to keep watching the second season. Uh, yeah, I think Melissa's out on it. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> no, you got to tell her. It, I know that some sketches are, I mean, it's hit and miss. Yeah, yeah. But there will be that one that just hits, you know? So we, we laughed quite a bit. I'm not going to lie. It was, it, they were, there were a bunch of funny skits. Mm-hmm. And some of them were just like going, like you said, you kind of look at each other like, the hell did we just watch? Uh, yeah, yeah. The one about the uh, the baby of the year. Yeah. <laughs> and the one baby, they're like, screw you! <laughs> they're like yelling horrible things to this cool baby. <laughs> you think you're so cool? Get him out of here! <laughs> or the, I guess you haven't gone as far as the buff, buff, what, buff boys? <laughs> no. The buff boys. <laughs> the buff boys. Okay, you gotta keep watching uh, for the buff boys. Yeah, I just haven't, I haven't watched it on my own yet. I can just see you're like, okay, let's keep watching this. Melissa's like, no, 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 I'm out, I'm out. No, 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 no. watch one more. Come on, one more. It's like, that's because they were like 17, 20 minutes long each episode. So it's like, we don't one more? She's like, sure, you know. Jimmy, you know which one that I I really like is the... Hey, what's your problem? Don't you know how to drive? (laughs) Yeah, and he's like, I don't. I really don't know how to drive. (laughs) The guy's in a car. He's like, don't you know how to drive? And he's like, I don't. (laughs) He's like, what do you mean? He goes, what am I doing? (laughs) It's so funny. Because you don't Uh, expect that to be the guy's answer. (laughs) The car honks. He goes, oh, what's happening? (laughs) And the guy's like, seriously? Uh... That's what I love about that show. I got to say this. Okay. I watched uh, a documentary today and it's called a glitch in the matrix. 
It's new on Hulu, and it's about people who believe we're living in a simulation. Okay. First 30 minutes, I thought it was pretty interesting. This is pretty cool. They talk about Philip K. Dick. One day, you know, author Philip K. Dick, he wrote, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? They made Blade Runner off of that. Mm-hmm. He, the novel that they turned into Total Recall, The Man in the High Castle. So he's written a lot of incredible things. And he sat down at this kind of uh, formal lecture that he gave to all of his fans, and he proceeded to tell them in so many words that, I believe none of this is real that's happening right now, that we're all part of this grand simulation. Now, I can't explain to you how or why, but I'm going to try to give you reasons. And he goes, by the way, everything I'm telling you could not be true, and I could just be making up. Take it as truth or an non-truth, whatever you say. And you see people are like, what? Wait, what now? And so he just kind of goes on the spiel about it. And so they talk to these different nerdy guys or whatever about like, yeah, we're living in a simulation. Uh, deja vu. And they explain the Mandela effect and all this. And I was like watching it. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. And then they were talking about when the Matrix came out. And that really blew their minds. Like, yes, this is what we've been talking about. And... My head started to hurt after a while, but I watched the whole thing. And then they get to this guy who he went too far into his whole thing as a simulation. And it's like a real guy who murdered his family because he thought it wasn't real. And they're talking to him in prison. I'm like, you guys have lost me with this documentary. (laughs) I don't know what is going on anymore. I didn't think it was interesting anymore. I thought it was kind of in poor taste. So so you want to test the reality or well, non-reality. They talk about the point. And spend is, the rest of your non-reality in prison. Well, it, some people were like, <laughs> "Well, if if this isn't real, then I could kill you, and it wouldn't matter." And the question should be, "Why would you want to kill me? Do you really need a reason not to kill me? Yeah. You know, consequences is the only thing to keep you from killing me." I think that person needs help. You know, yeah. that's what I would say. And that's what I was just saying. It's like the only consequence you got is prison and you want to test your reality yeah to see if it's real and 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 things don't matter some people believe that like i'm real or at least i'm in the simulation but everyone i'm talking to is an npc yeah so that'd be like steven i'm real in this simulation but you're not real you're like some kind of npc fabrication and I, I wish you'd make me smarter, though, or something. <laughs> but I, I just kept thinking, how come we're not all in the simulation together? It just doesn't make any sense. It seemed kind of stupid. But anyway, they, it gave me a headache. So uh, <laughs> if you guys want to check that out, it's on Hulu. And another show I've been watching on streaming is called uh, Lodge 49. I've seen that. All of them. You've seen all of it? Uh-huh. I think it's a fantastic yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I watched it on a whim, and I've probably watched the first seven episodes of season one. Yeah. The only thing I'm worried about is uh, there's. I'm not going to get a real ending, am I? Because it got canceled. Uh, it got canceled, yeah. I'm not going to tell you. But it's a great show, though. It, yeah. Jimmy, did you watch Lodge 49? I did not. Yeah, we watched it when it came out. We it's, saw it weekly. It's starring uh, Wyatt uh, uh, Russell, mm-hmm. who is Kurt Russell's son. And no. I believe Goldie Hawn's son. Yeah. Remember, he's um, the Captain America, new Captain America that becomes U.S. agent. Wait. Spoiler that, alert. That's Wyatt Russell? Yeah. Oh, I did not. Oh, my gosh. Okay. That's What's 
funny. Uh, Sometimes he just looks like a, a different guy. But is it with? Is he? He's because he's, he's bearded and. He looks like he will sometimes turn his head or make an expression. I'm like, oh my god, I see Kurt Russell. Yeah. He looks like Kurt Russell from The Thing when he had a big beard in The Thing. Yeah. But uh, Wyatt Russell, he has blonde hair and like a red beard. Yeah. You know? But he's fantastic in that show, isn't he? And it's a great show. The the whole cast and everything. I highly recommend Lodge 49. And yes, it only lasts two seasons, but uh, I think it's worth it watching because it's so interesting. And so odd. So odd and so many different characters. And there's like this underlying mystery to you. Yes. And it's just fun. Yeah, the know? underlying mystery is fun when they. Would later. you say that his <laughs> his character, the name of Dud, because his last name is Dudley, but everyone calls him Dud. He's very kind of dude esque, like yeah, uh, very slackery, Big Lebowski ish kind of, but a young Big Lebowski. Yeah, and uh, he's a very likable, down on his luck guy. Yeah, he's a sweet guy too. He's kind of dumb, you know. Especially yes. with money, taking yes. repeated loans out. <laughs> <laughs> From the same loan. Sh- <laughs> I love when the guy's like, uh, your VIG's up tomorrow. You don't pay, I'm going to send this guy after you. And he's like, what if I take out another loan? And he goes, that'll give you a week. And he goes, let's do it. <laughs> and so he takes out a bigger loan just to get another week free. And it's just like, this is, the guy's like, I advise you not to do this. This is a horrible decision. He goes, signed right here. Thank you very much. And it's just like, <laughs> oh, God. But that's a good show. Jimmy, what have you been watching and streaming? Well, that is a good question. I have been checking out this new show on Disney Plus that came out last week called Behind the Attraction. And it's basically exactly what it sounds like. They go oh, through and kind this. of talk about the history and, uh, like, behind the scenes on some of these attractions, these iconic attractions from Disneyland, Disney World, all over the place. And a lot of YouTubers have been doing this for a long time. I have actually gotten the chance to be on uh, one in particular that was really cool about Space Mountain. So some of the stuff with these things I kind of know, but some of it, because Disney's got archival footage and things that most people wouldn't have access to, you get a little bit more... Uh, in-depth information, which is pretty cool. So I've been digging that. And, uh, yeah, the first episode was all about the Jungle Cruise. And it's funny because Dwayne Johnson is an executive producer, or he's a producer on this show. Uh-huh. And it's like, you can tell they did this during the, the pandemic, because I think they shot his stuff from his house. And, like, you can tell, like, it's like a two-shot from his house or a three-shot from his house. And I was like, oh, you're, like, the producer. I thought he was going to be the host of the show. Because when they originally announced it, they're like, oh, yeah, Dwayne Johnson's. And I'm like, what? Like, I was like, oh, cool. Is he going to go, like, on the rides? No. Uh, maybe that was the original plan. But uh, they kind of have it a little bit different than that. So you know, that was you, the... Sh- huh? You did a recent video where you rode on the Jungle Cruise, right? Yes. Uh, and Jungle Cruise is very... Um, very important ride to me. I loved it a lot as a kid, and I actually got to uh, steer the boat once a long time ago. Just saying. Oh, is and it not on a track? It's actually mo- driving. No, it's around? not. It's it's on a track. But to oh. me, it was. I steered it, uh, and my child. mom. Yeah, child, my mom. You were driving that boat. Yeah, my mom swears that I helped um, coin one of their more famous jokes on the one in Walt Disney World. I don't know if that's true or not, but I will take credit for it. So maybe in the early 90s, I made a joke and back to the skippers and they liked it. And who knows? But uh, if that's yeah. in the movie, uh, will you just die? 
I yeah, I will. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that would be incredible. I'd be like, I did it. Um, and you know, even though it probably maybe wasn't me, but yes, uh, the Jungle Cruise is a it's a great it's a great ride. So I'm excited to see the rest of this show because I you know Disney has had the ability to do this now for a long time and to make these really in depth videos about them, which YouTube content creators have been doing for so many years, and just kind of pulling pieces and information off the internet. Whereas they can get to like the actual, you know, some of the Imagineers, if they're still around or current modern day Imagineers to talk about, it's pretty fascinating. So if you're interested in any of that stuff or the history of kind of Disneyland, Disney World, I check it out because uh, it might be something you're into. That does sound cool. I, yeah. I wondered, like, how do they make a movie based on that ride? Is there enough material or are they just kind of fleshing it out kind of a... You know. Well, yeah, uh, it's kind of the similar or same problem you have with something like Pirates of the Caribbean, where you're kind of going through a world and you could pick and put together any story you like. Mm-hmm. It sounds like uh, for what they're doing with the Jungle Cruise here, they've got some inspirations from an old movie called The African Queen. Yeah, but uh, the Jungle Cruise itself, while it has kind of a story to it and there's kind of an underlying story, it's not like an overt one. Uh, so there, this is going to be like new characters for this movie and a, a plot, you know, the, a world ending plot, potentially not anything they usually deal with on this, uh, version of the jungle cruise, except the one Do over you, in yeah. Shanghai might, I don't know. There's something like that. I'm yeah. I know in other movies, like it drives me nuts, like <laughs> the X-Men movies, it's always a world threatening plot when I wish yeah. it could be some more kind of like, maybe, you know, lower the stakes a little bit, you know? <laughs> Mm-hmm. But are yeah, you gonna intimate. are you gonna see this in the theater or are you gonna pay thirty bucks and watch it at home? I wasn't sure what I was gonna do, and then a friend kind of gave me a proposition. He was like, "Yeah, I want to see you one more time before you go, so maybe you should just come over to the house some night and give me fifteen bucks, and I'll put in fifteen <laughs> bucks, and we'll hang out and watch Jungle Cruise." I was like, "Yeah, dude." That I gotta be good. honest i I wouldn't charge you. I would just pay for it, and you could come over and watch it. Oh. Oh, fine. Thank you. And I, I really do like Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt, and I, it's cool that they're making a movie based on one of my favorite rides, especially as a kid. So, yeah, I I don't know. It's kind of a weird time, because, like, the last two movies I've seen in these were Godzilla vs. Kong and Black Widow. You know? Like, yeah. I just... I, I don't go nearly Steven, as much as I used to. did you see Black Widow? Not yet. I think we're going to try next weekend. Okay. Nice. Cool. That's cool. I, I'm going to watch that show. I am interested in it. Yeah, I'd love to hear what you think, too, man. That'd be so cool to talk about with somebody, because nobody I hang out with usually talks about theme park stuff, because if they hear me talk about it, they're like, uh-oh, here he goes. I've always <laughs> be been like, fascinated with the Haunted Mansion. Oh, they've, that's the next episode on there, and Haunted Mansion is a huge... It's it's gained a big following over the years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What, see, because I went to the Haunted Mansion when I was a kid, and I think I was the right age to be totally kind of freaked out, and also... I'm intrigued amused. by it at the same time, like fascinated by it. And the, sure. the how do they do those people dancing around? They look like real ghosts. And the part mm-hmm. where you're riding in front of the mirrors and the ghost is sitting next to you. So oh, the yeah, guy yeah. I'm working with this week, or FSC for for Phillips, he's got the haunted mansion tattooed on his shoulder. Wow, oh, wow. And then he's he's got other bits of Disney tattooed on his arm. That's crazy. Yeah, it's funny because uh, so he's a big Disney fan. Our our buddy Adam, Adam Howard from the Bay Area, he's a huge Disney guy. Yes, and it's so funny when I met Jimmy, and Jimmy's like, "I love Disney stuff," and I'm like, "I know another guy who loves Disney stuff." You know, <laughs> I just think Adam 
and uh, Jimmy on a podcast. <laughs> just like Could talking just about the park. out over the... Because I think, but, you know, this Disney. is before COVID, but uh, Adam would go with his family to Disney like every year. They'd make it down there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, maybe you turn into competitions. Oh, 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 yeah, oh yeah, Jimmy? Oh, how many times <laughs> have you been? Huh? How many times have you been like, to Disneyland? And be like, wow. Like, I don't, you don't want to play this game with me, Adam. Like, that's what I'd say to him. I'd be like, you don't want it, to. It's, it's less fun for everybody. Like, right? Yeah, I've been on the Haunted Mansion ride for 38 times. And they're like, oh, is that all? <laughs> yeah, right. No, that would be a. That'd be a super fun uh, show to do. If you ever want to do it, just let me know. But I think the funny thing about, like, Disney fans, it's not always, like, how many times you've gone or how many times you've ridden a thing. It's just, like, the extreme passion of, like, which ones are your favorite. And then if you've been to multiple parks, like, defending your favorite against other people, especially if it's an unpopular (laughs) opinion. Like, you can't have a favorite thing that's yours without explaining why it isn't wrong to hate it or to love it, you know, like it's so funny. It's like, oh my gosh, it's it's really a, a whole fandom of its own. Didn't you, I remember you had uh, Brandon Jones on your podcast once, right? I did. Yes, that was a while ago. Did you guys talk about Disney at all when he was on there? Because I know he's a Disney guy too. I'm sure we did to some degree at some point. Uh, yeah, because Brandon is definitely a Disney guy as well. Like you said. I'm trying to remember if we did. We might have. Maybe we'll have to go back and check the tape. That would be yeah. funny if you guys never, you never brought up Disney <laughs> to him at all. Yeah, just like, uh, I don't want to talk about it. Even though he lives like pretty close to it and I will soon as well. It'd be so, what like, they you're like, each oh, other? Brandon, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And in your brain, you're like, I never talked to him about Disney at all. Like, no. And that's right, like, like his obsession. Same with me. It's funny. Way. I've only the only time I've been to Disney was to see a concert. And you just at like the House walked, of Blues. Did you walk right past all the <laughs> attractions? You're like, I didn't even see any. I think <laughs> I just parked right near the House of Blues, went in, and came out. Yep. Wow. Sounds about right. That's crazy. downtown Disney Springs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a waste, <laughs> right, Jimmy? I know. Well, right. Well, yeah. When you you know I I flew into L.A. Pretty much went to the hotel, checked in, drove straight down to San Diego or uh, not San Diego, uh, Anaheim. Anaheim, Anaheim, parked, got into the show, <laughs> left, went back to the hotel and worked the next day. <laughs> okay, so just downtown so, Disney. That's fair. So enough. yeah, it wasn't uh, yeah, it wasn't any. But you were all I wasn't any there for fun. Also, yes, I was by myself. Because that would be weird if you're like. Yeah, I'm gonna go on uh, on a mansion by myself. <laughs> oh, I mean, you say of... that, but oh, I would have done, done it. By You've myself. done it, oh, yeah. Jimmy. You go oh, on yeah. by yourself. One of my greatest trips ever was last year, right before the pandemic shut everything down. I had two days in Disneyland by myself. I made friends I'm never gonna see again uh, because they're ride friends. You have friends that are like with you on a ride. You have uh, that moment, that thing together, and then you go off your separate ways because you're all there for the same reason to have a good time. You know, like you just have their fun. Oh, yeah, I'd totally do a, a ride by myself, but, you know, it's after midnight when the show is over, so they're not open. Right. Mm-hmm. That is true. And and I didn't get in early enough to do anything before the show, so. Oh, I just want to ask you, Stephen, have you been streaming anything lately besides uh, I think you should um, leave or I wish you were here? I finished Atypical. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, the yeah, we season, need to watch that. Yeah, season three of Atypical. It's the final season, right? Yep. Yeah, okay. so I finished watching that one no this week. No, no, no. 
It's really good, though. I enjoyed it. Yeah, Heather and I always watch that, but we haven't. Have you finished it. third season yet? No, no, no. We're we're okay. way behind on everything. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, you know. Besides what uh, Melissa and I watch, you know, I think she and I we're caught up on everything uh, except Doom Patrol. We're still finishing that. Oh, one. okay. I uh, you know what? What's funny uh, is. Teen, or is it just called Titan, Titans? Titans, yeah. Titans season three is coming up, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I need to finish season two because I never did. The last episode I saw was when Jason Todd goes missing and uh, Deathstroke like took him. They've been playing you know like the, the first season on TNT, TNT? or something? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say TBS. I, I it wasn't I like right. Titans. I just kind of like. Uh, That's HBO, right? It's on HBO. Max. Okay, so yeah. I'm gonna. I wanted to go back and watch that. It's a. It's more violent than you expect. <laughs> I mean, the show is like it's fun. It's entertaining. It's also kind of like you know sometimes you think the dialogue is kind of funny or whatever. But I think it's good. What do you think, Jimmy? Yeah, it's an interesting take because I grew up with the Teen Titans television show on Cartoon Network. Yeah. And this is very different than that, <laughs> like, right? They didn't drop F bombs on the Yeah, cartoon. exactly. Robin didn't hate Batman. Like, <laughs> yeah. The very like, first what? episode, he's like, F Batman. And it's like, yeah, what? It's, what? And it's like Starfire, like, and all the characters are so different than what I'm used to. Mm-hmm. But there are things that I really do like about it. And without spoiling anything, this might be one of my favorite, very favorite versions of Deathstroke. Uh, and I'm a really big Destro fan, so seeing him in the show, I was like, oh, they kind of got him right, like, really right. Uh, Is not he that better done than that. Arrow's depiction? Arrow's depiction? I Man, uh, Manu Bennett, he's fantastic. It's just a different style with that one. That one's yeah. more about, like, him going crazy because of the serum and, like, mm-hmm. you know, his, his past with Oliver. Uh, but this one is more about, actually, Deathstroke's family and... Uh, kind of makes a little more sense, you know, with their the rivalry and everything like that. But yeah, I I don't know. I like it a lot. But then again, I also want to see Joe Mangadello's version and get his own movie, but that may not be happening. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> you, we got to take what they give us, you know? Right, yeah. I, I just, I love Deathstroke so much. I love him so much. So, Steven, I'm kind of in a quandary here. We've been doing the show a while. We can either do one final segment, Let's Read Rotten Tomatoes, or DVDs. DVD Blu-ray releases. Your call, sir. Uh, you're not going to pick? I'm going to let <laughs> you Jim, want me to Jimmy's sing. the guest. Well, it would probably be bad of me, coming from a channel called Critical Reviews, to not want to hear about the Rotten Tomato scores <laughs> or something. So I'm going to probably go with the Rotten Tomato stuff. All right, let's do it. Let's read Rotten Tomatoes. You say either. I say either, you say neither, and I say neither, either, either, and either, neither, and let's call the whole thing off. Yes, you like potato, and I like potato, you like tomato, I like tomato, potato, potato, tomato, tomato, let's call the whole thing off. I like stale tomato juice. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Did you know Snake Eyes G.I. Joe Origins came out today? I knew it was coming out. I didn't know when. Crickets. No. (laughs) No, You guys knew this came out, right? 
I yeah. knew it was coming out. I didn't know when it I, was being you released. You and I saw uh, the last G.I. Yeah. Joe movie a long time ago. Yes. With Bruce Willis in it, uh-huh. where he didn't emote at all. But, like all his latest movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll give you nothing, and you'll like it. Okay, Jimmy. Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins. Are you a G.I. Joe fan, by the way, Jimmy? Uh, I actually like the most recent films, but it was a little before my time, so I have a respect for the Joes, but I have not been, like, a, a long-time, lifelong fan. You guys know a guy named Jimmy? Yes, we do. Uh, now... <laughs> <laughs> you guys know a guy named Jimmy? You look just like his brother, man. <laughs> Snake Eyes is currently 40% rotten. Ooh. But 71% audience score, huh? Hey, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Now, here is some of the... I haven't done this in a while, because this used to be a yes. little shtick we do with the show. Bilge Ibiri. They always have names you can't pronounce, but uh, from New York Magazine. It feels so pro forma, so uninventive, and glum. <sighs> That if you told me everybody making it had an Uzi pointed at their head, I might believe you. All right? What? That's, that's He's awesome. a top critic, dude. Yeah. It doesn't give a score, but uh, let's see. Uh, I do trust him if they don't have a score. <laughs> Johnny Oleksinki says, The fights taken on their own are occasionally okay. But not enough to lift this joke and fun free slog. Oh, a joke and fun free slog. I give it a two out of four rotten. Now, Jimmy, Steve and I have been through this a lot. If you're, you've got four stars and you give it two, is that really rotten or is it good or is it average? Ooh, out of four. So two out of four. It's so, it's so hard because like, you know, we all grew up here in the States where 50% was failing, yeah. right? So, like, by that metric, it's not great, right? By that kind of thought process. But, yeah. I don't but, know, two out of four, is it's a weird scale, right? That, yeah. And that's what we've had, kind of argued that, too. You need something that puts you over, you need the five, you do Two, I mean, so I guess it's yeah, no different than two and a half. Four, like having, oh, mm-hmm. sorry, four stars is weird. But like, take this one for instance. Uh, this is Perry Nemiroth from uh, YouTube. Oh, it's, we got a YouTube uh, reviewer here, Jimmy. Hey, we, we there we go. On. Snake Eyes is just entertaining enough, but often very flat, and ninety percent of the action is over edited and shot with an extreme form of shaky cam. So shaky, it's nearly impossible to appreciate the stunts and choreography. 2.5 out of 5, rotten. Now, 2.5 out of 5, is that rotten in your book? Like I said, it's... 3 would be good. 3 out of 5 is good, right? And I still Two say that's poor. that's middle of the road. It's, it's not good, it's not bad. You it's, need to have... You can't score just the direct you know, middle. You got a fresh tomato and a rotten tomato. What if you right. have one that's it's you know getting a little squishy, but you can still eat it? <laughs> yeah. Would you say that's a squishy tomato? Yes. Now let's read a. It positive would need to be review. less than a two point five. Two point two five. Larry Carroll of Looper says, "By the end, it's hard not to be won over by Her- Henry Golding's wholly new take on the character." 
the rebooted universe being promised by director Robert Schwentke and a G.I. Joe story that tiptoes around numerous landmines that could have spelled disaster. I, I don't really understand, but okay. Okay, this guy, okay, Alan... How do you say that? I don't know. Alan... Nuk. A film threat. It's NG. How do I pronounce that? It's probably my favorite G.I. Joe movie, which still isn't saying much. Six out of ten. <laughs> Man, these guys are... They're rough. This is why I'm such a bad critic. I, I dropped numbers a long time ago because I was like, did any of the things I just said make any sense to you? People are like, yeah, but I want a number. So I'm like, add ah, Dude, what if what if your movie you just need to do it different each time this time it's one paragraph it's four out of seven next time it's three out of eight yeah exactly you okay. don't don't have an even scorecard every time right <laughs> like this guy dominic griffin of the armchair auteur an easy recommendation for when it makes its way to paramount plus but are bit tougher to sell for you know actually leaving your house and going to a theater 5.5 out of 10 Fresh. Mm-hmm. Five point five out of ten. Shouldn't I mean, it sounds like a kind of a negative review. You wait for it to be on Paramount Plus. Don't yeah. go to the theater. Five point five. Go see it. Yeah. Did I read Brian Lowry of CNN yet? No. As much as the movie appears to yearn to jumpstart the franchise, it seems to have forgotten to bother with a coherent script leaving one to wonder how a film with this much action somehow manages to be so boring. Yeesh. Ooh. Huh. These guys are rough. They're rough. <laughs> All right, one more. Vinny Mancuso. Snake Eyes fight scenes are framed in the current Hollywood house style, i.e. impossible to see and low-key nauseating, and ob- all obscured by shaky cam close-ups and rapid-fire cuts. Wow, you know what? I've heard that from more than one person that it's shaky cam, and they really one of I've uh, Adam uh, Sexton was telling me that one of the greatest film choreo- fight choreographers did this, and the director didn't know how to shoot the fights, and he ruined it. Oh, how much would that piss you off? All right, another movie came out today, and that's called Old. Hey, do you guys know what old is? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. This is a Shyamalan. The M. Yeah. Night. M. Night Shyamalan. Old has no shortage of interesting ideas, and writer-director M. Night Shyamalan's uneven execution will intrigue or annoy viewers with little middle ground in between. 53% rotten. 54% rotten audience score. Now it's bad when it's critics and audience, isn't it? That's not great. Well, they didn't like, uh, what was the one, the, the, the lady in the water? Mm-hmm. And I liked that movie. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think we all did. But they, they, they panned that one too, didn't they? Yeah. Well, Stephen, let's see what Pete Travers has to say about old. Shot with a poet's eye and a tin ear for dialogue, this tricked-up thriller about the horror of getting old too fast brings out the best and worst in M. Night Shyamalan by botching a COVID-resonant premise about sudden death and the collapse of time. Rotten. That's the Rotten Tomato sound, in case you guys didn't know it. 
Alright, uh, Richard Roper says, There are too many flat performances, awful lines, and moments bordering on tastelessness. I give it a two out of four. Rotten. That's still, uh, I don't know. I have a, <laughs> I've had that issue here's all this a, time. Here's a positive reviews by David Sims. The central conceit of old has so much juice and Shyamalan gets to explore so many fun avenues over the course of one very long day. It's his most ambitious work in years, wrapped in a delightful, tawdry packaging of a pulpy thriller. And he didn't give it a rating, but it's fresh. Hey. Now, let me ask you, are I you guys interested in seeing this well, at I, just, all? I like... There was only, like... Trying to think anything that I didn't like by him. Uh, the Mark Wahlberg one. The Last Airbender. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, uh, the happening. The happening. You dare say that name. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, are you a fan of The Last Airbender? I've no. never sh- with anger in a movie theater before I saw that film. Oh. I was so frustrated. If you'd not been a fan of Avatar beforehand you would have been like all right this is fine i understand it but it was just such a, a misunderstanding and mishandling of a beloved franchise that yeah. meant so much to so many and just even on a fundamental level where it's like firebenders who can like manipulate fire could only do it if they had fire near them so they needed like a torch and stuff like that and it was like they're like the bad guys you can't like handicap <laughs> uh, sorry, I could go on and on about that, but I, yeah. it was a really interesting choice for him to do something like that because I was so used to him doing thrillers, you know, that kind of stuff for the most yeah, part. He really mishandled that property to to be kind. Yeah, because the cartoon, the animated series, is so fantastic. Yeah, now Netflix is doing a live action one with the you know the creators back in, so I'm I'm still I've, waiting to see that. I heard the creators quit, or have they? Gone oh, did back? they quit? They oh, started no. with it and then they left under oh, no. creative differences, which isn't great. Yeah. Tells you that's not great. How about we cast know. a white kid as the main character? And like, we're out. We're out. Russ Simmons of KKFIFM Kansas City says, Old just feels well. Old. old. One out of five. <laughs> Rotten. This guy, uh. did he get paid for this review? Lazy. <laughs> Hopefully not by the. Oh, hopefully by the word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will give you a penny per word. It's like, well, I could buy a piece of gum. <laughs> Kevin Carr says, if you're a huge hater of M Night Shyamalan, you're gonna find a lot to hate about this movie. But I'm okay with it. That's his shtick. Three out of four. Oh, okay. This guy's not a hater. Doug Walker of Channel Awesome. Wow, <laughs> that guy's channel is awesome. Fans of Shyamalan's hilarious masterpieces. Oh, fired. Get him out of here. I'm not reading this for you. <laughs> he said masterpiece. I'm out. Sorry, mm. man. You lost me. Do you guys think I did the right thing by bailing on that? Yes. Maybe. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. I'll say this much. Signs was good. You know what I mean? Obviously, Sixth Sense is good. It just, I wouldn't. I up the last year. I'm just, I, why are we talking about this? It bothers me. <laughs> oh, sorry. You, oh my it. god, Jimmy, you still have him in movie jail, don't you? I have to. 
for now. It's just, <laughs> and it's not. I think he's talented. I think all the people who, who worked on that are talented people. I it's just, that kind of thing. He like gathers everyone and goes. Now that you guys have all forgiven me for last year, Brenda, would you be like? Uh-huh. <clears throat> I'd be like, uh, I'd like raise my hand and be like, excuse me, I, I quick question here. Nobody uh, asked me. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Not that my opinion necessarily matters that much anyway, but yeah, um, that was, they got the names wrong. They got the names of the characters wrong. Okay. Uh, it's like, how, how is that possible? Anyway, continue. Sorry. <laughs> I am curious about this. This new movie, it's on a streamer, Jolt. All about the soda. Kate, Kate Beckinsale. Okay. Ooh, Kate. In spite of a crackling premise and a star who who's always ready for action, Jolt never manages to deliver much more than a mild buzz. Oh. <laughs> 35% rotten. Audience score, 46% rotten. Available on streaming, and you don't have to pay anything, so you might still want to watch it, right? It's starring Kate Beckinsale, J- Jay Courtney, Jai Courtney? Jai. Jay. Stanley Tucci, Bobby Carnivale. No, it's Carnivale. <laughs> Laverne Cox and David Bradley. Okay. Ooh. Stanley Tucci's great. Yeah, he is. I wonder what he plays in this film. Uh, yeah. T- Tomris Laffley of RogerEbert.com says, An action-packed sci-fi adjacent dark comedy that leaves a lot to be desired in a neon-soaked wake. Two out of four. Okay. Mm. Kate Erbland of IndieWire says, For a film built... On the wild concept that bonafide action badass Kate Beckinsale has to wear an electrode-laden vest meant to shock her into submission before she maims everyone around her, there's only one response. How dare this film be so lethargic. C! As in, don't see it, it gets a C, Stephen. Wrong. C isn't rotten, though. That's average. No. Oh, I missed the minus. C minus. Okay. Still, it's still in the... Slightly below average. Well, Stephen Jake Wilson of The Age in Australia says, Tanya Wexler's action comedy Jolt is some distance from being a good movie, but it does have a pretty good B-movie premise. I give it a 2.5 out of 5. We love some B-movies. And put another shrimp on the bobby. That's what they say in Australia. (laughs) Did you guys know that? Uh Uh-huh. Maybe Rick will tell us for real. And let me throw my boomerang. (laughs) (laughs) That's what they do in Joshua. <laughs> He's got to pet kangaroo. Yes. Is that offensive? Probably. It's all right, mate. <laughs> steady on, steady on. Barry Hertz of Globe and Mail says, From one scene to the next, I had no real understanding of where the film might go next, but instead of anticipating the unpredictable, I came to a quickly dread the arbitrariness, which isn't a word I made up. Oh. Casey Chong of the Cinemaholic, at least he admits he has a problem. Mm-hmm. Joel has plenty of potential of a gleefully violent B-movie fun with a sexy lead front and center, and yet director Tanya Wexer mostly botches that opportunity with her haphazard and generally pedestrian direction. 2.5 out of 5. Well, Casey, come on. That seems a little harsh, doesn't it? Whoa. <laughs> Let's see about somebody who gave it a good review. James Crute says, tighter and arguably slightly more effective than recent cinema release Gunpowder Milkshake, which is on Netflix. This is a sorely needed refreshing jolt to the increased... Wait, time out. You can't (laughs) use the title of the movie in your review like that. (laughs) That guy gets a penalty. I will not finish your review. 
<laughs> well, at least he didn't make a like the masterpiece joke. The masterpiece. That guy should be kicked out of town. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> How about this one, Mike McGranahan of Isle Seat? Okay, first of all, the Isle Seat. If you're a film critic, you sit in the middle. Am I right? Unless it's one of the theaters where it's got a center row, like walk-down row, and there's only seats on the left and right where there is no middle seat. So uh, I'm going to... Yeah. going to go by that right. for now. I'm going to go by that. Otherwise, I'm not going to read his review. So does it have an aisle down the middle, Stephen? Yes. Okay, I'll, I'll read his review. Here's his review. He got paid money for this. Sassy, fun, and action-packed. Three out of four. They got paid $500 for that review. Does that seem right to you guys? Does that seem right to you, I want to do that review. You know, ever since the very first piece of art was created, if it wasn't the person who made it, it was one of their buddies. Uh, critics were born, and we we need both. Uh, so, you know what? If he got $500 for that review, good on him. It's America, <laughs> baby. Do it, do it. That's what I say. We need Wait both. Know, we need both. What if... It- Here's the funny thing. Okay, picture this. Someone was like, he's like, hey, do I get paid by the word for this review? He's like, no, flat 500 bucks. He's like, okay. Sassy, funny, action packed, three out of four. He's like, give me my money. <laughs> it's like, hey, he's not in it for the real critique. Two What's thumbs up. Money? 500 bucks. I like to think that the person who like has him doing the reviews is like a J. Jonah Jameson type, and he's like, we only have, uh, like, you know, we've got 30 characters we can use for this review, so you just you make it as pithy as possible, and he's like, okay, okay all right. He's like, give me more pictures of Spider-Man. Um, I need punch. Yeah, punch. Come on, baby. Uh, we got to sell some newspapers flying off the shelf. All right, one more review. This one by Deidre Molumby. Molumby. I... <clears throat> Deidre <laughs> Molumby. Cool name. Jolt has a really strong start, but then it leans too heavily into the camp factor, becoming overly silly and, frankly, a bit weird and confusing once the bad guy turns up. I give it a 2.5 out of 5 rotten. Was she a little too harsh there? I don't know. You know, Did you guys ever see Guns Akimbo with uh, yes. Daniel Radcliffe? Uh-huh. What did you think of that film? It's a little over the top. That's what I, I did like that about it. It was kind of crazy. A little ridiculous. Yes. It was cartoony violent. Yes. I, I mean, think- it, it, much like, uh, the, what's the one, uh, the, the Russian stunt crew did that we watched? The Russian stunt crew? Um, oh, what was for the first person camera? First yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what was that called, Jimmy? Remember, it's all from the POV. Oh my gosh! Um, hardcore Henry. Hardcore Henry. Hardcore Henry. Yep, yep, yeah. yep. It's along it that. Is in that same vein, right? I think it was, which made it fun. Daniel Radcliffe made it watchable for me. Yeah. Otherwise, I might have bailed on it because I was like, "Oh, this is just too ridiculous." By the way, you watched uh, Nobody yes. with Stephen uh, Steve Odekirk. Bob. Steve Bob Odekirk. What? <laughs> been a long show steve odekirk his brother he was like the set guy he was yeah uh he he brought jimmy did you see nobody i haven't seen that yet no it's the same director as hardcore henry oh really cool oh nice uh it's a fun movie right yes really fun we watched it twice last weekend oh wow well she's getting her money out of it One more review. This one, Robbie Collin of Daily Telegraph. Played by Kate Beckinsale, the heroine of Jolt is 
one of the most unbearable, fraudulent action leads in eons, an all-smirking, all-cursing lay-debt relic on a life-or-death crusade that doesn't add up in any respect. One out of five! Left me <laughs> jolted. How dare he! What is a lay-debt? Is that like a woman? La- a ladyette? What is he saying there? I have no clue. You know what? I bet that guy's a big jerk. What do you think, Jimmy? I was going to look up Ladette definition. How do you spell that? L-A-D-E-T-T-E. Uh- <laughs> oh, T-T-E. Oh, okay. That's why I was like, why is it not popping up? Uh, a young woman who behaves in a boisterously assertive or crude manner and engages in heavy drinking. Oh, dear. Oh, my. Oh, oh my, my word. Oh. <laughs> How dare you? Oh, my goodness. So what kind of example does that set? <laughs> oh. This is an outrage. Yes, of course. Take it down from all of the internet quickly, as fast as possible. We don't want it getting out to the masses. <laughs> in my day, women didn't behave in such a manner. Uh, of course not. Of course not. Okay, guys, that was Ron Tomatoes. Wasn't that fun? <laughs> so good. Now, uh, let's go ahead and I think we should wrap up the show. Okay. Uh, Jimmy, I've taken a lot of your time today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. No. Oh, no. I thank you guys. You know, this has been fantastic. You haven't taken my time. You've, uh, you've, you've given me life. So I appreciate that. All right. That's awesome. You want a line of cocaine? No way, man. Yeah. Thank you. Good night. Here all week, try the veal. And show thank you so much for listening and jimmy thank you for joining us tonight of course my guest is thank you (laughs) thank you oh thank you thank you that's the first applause i think i've ever gotten thank you i'll take it i'll take it well in a a while anyway besides that guy in the mirror uh, he's always like he's either he's either uh chastising me or applauding it's one or the other you know let's see i think i got some uh Good times. You You know what's cool? Jimmy, you were showing me your website. Jimmy actually did a, would you call it a pilot episode or was it like just a one-off? You did a talk show. Yeah, I wanted it to be like a pilot episode. And it's so funny because like the name of it was different than the one I had envisioned. But yes, so basically a talk show that was based around like The Tonight Show or something like that. Right. And because you work at a, a TV station in minnesota right yeah and you had access to the set and everything or did yeah, you got the whole crew it? no i pitched it at first i had to write like this whole thing up about it and uh it was going to be a really big thing for all of them to do and that's why it was like something we probably couldn't do frequently unless it kind of took off and we talked about doing more of it and uh it just it didn't work unfortunately but it was really fun to do and it was uh pretty intense because i did something that most people don't do on their first episode of a, a an evening show like that 
and that's yeah. have live animals on the show. Uh, we had dogs like from a pit bull rescue come out and one was like a puppy and uh, it was crazy. It was really cool. Live audience and everything. When you were doing it where you're like, oh yeah, I could totally do this every week. Or was it exhausting? Uh, it was exhausting in a good way. Like afterwards I was told, I was reminded recently by my mom, she's like, you were just energized when you were done with it. But the thing I think if I were to do it more frequently, and this is why the hosts don't do this, I was kind of a little bit of a producer because I got all the guests and the talent and the music and stuff like that. If I didn't have to do that and it was more like just preparing the questions and doing research on the guests, that would be less taxing and could be something you could do every week much more easily versus me being like, I have to put, I like knew the entire show inside and out. Like I could have done it with my eyes shut almost. (laughs) Yeah. Like a a lot of talk shows, they have a whole staff, they have like interns and all this stuff. But if you're doing everything, you would have been, you probably would have been just dead after like a month or something you know? right yeah totally and uh well from your perspective did it look like a legitimate thing because that's the biggest question i have because it's like yeah, yeah it's i think the... so okay good 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 that's good to hear <laughs> i i thought it was funny that you interviewed a lady who had a bed and breakfast oh yeah so fun little behind the scenes about that uh she didn't know she was going to be on the show until the night before <laughs> um, because i had a guest drop out the night oh, before man. And I, we were thinking, we were like brainstorming ideas, and fortunately, they had kind of just covered her bed and breakfast recently, uh, like on the the channel, and they had a bunch of footage of the place. And I like called her up and I had asked her this, and she's like, it actually worked out better this way. Cause she's like, if you would have asked me weeks or months ago, it might have like freaked me out over time, but I don't have time to be freaked out about it. I'm just gonna be on here. So she was great. She's one of my, she's like my angel. I bow to her when I see her. I'm like, oh my god, there you are. (laughs) I just think it's not many people can say, like, yeah, I hosted my own talk show once, you know? Or I did an episode. That's cool that you got to do that. Thank you. I don't know. I, I like, weaseled my way into their hearts, and they let me get in front of a camera and make shows, and it's really cool. Was there ever, like, uh, you would come in there and goes, guys, I got an idea, and they're like, "Uh uh-oh, what has he Uh got this time? (laughs) No, they are always excited about that, because we're, like, local, like, they're local community television, and a lot of this stuff can get greenlit if it's somebody from the community who's kind of bringing forth these ideas, like myself. That is so they were always like, yeah, if you want to write up something for it. And uh, they've been so good to me. I I love them. They're fantastic. That's why I expect you... You know, I think that if anybody can make it by going to Hollywood and wanting to be an actor, it's you because you seem fearless. Thank you. I appreciate that a lot. I really do. And do you agree you're fearless? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm uh, of nothing. No, I like to think I'm courageous, and that's more of an acceptance of fear as opposed to uh, a lack of it. You know. Right. Uh, so yeah, I think that's just the Gryffindor in me. I took the Pottermore tests. Says I'm a Gryffindor. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm not afraid because, as far as like, uh, I'm not going to say I'm not fearless, but when it comes to people, everybody has something in common with everybody else. And mm-hmm. if you can find that, uh, that we all have common ground. And I just, I love people. I really do. I've got a problem with humanity sometimes. Yeah. But people I really like, uh, you know, if that makes any sense. Uh, no. But yeah, I, I'm excited to just, you know, to meet more people and uh, just kind of use my gifts that I've kind of cultivated and honed, hopefully a little bit over the years, and uh, give it a whirl, you know? That's awesome. Now, we have a voicemail that I should play before we go. It's from Adam Sexton. 
Okay, we haven't uh, heard from Jimmy, him. I haven't heard from him in a while. Jimmy, you know Adam. We've played uh, video games with him before. Oh, yeah. A little bit. You know him a little bit. Of course. The way yeah, you yeah. said, oh, yeah, it was kind of like, I have no idea you're talking about. No, I didn't know if this was the other Adam beforehand that you're talking about. You're like, I know two Adams. It is confusing. I talk about Adam sometimes, and my wife is like, which Adam is this? And I'm like, I don't even know. Let me just tell you this story, though. Uh, <laughs> Bay Area Adam or from Arkansas? The Bay Area, and then Adam Sexton. <laughs> right. Here we go. A voicemail from Adam. Let's check it out. Hello, Entertainment Landfill crew. This is Adam Sexton singing you a voicemail for what seems to be like the first time in maybe a year and some change, maybe a year and a half. I don't know. I don't even want to think about how long it's been. Uh, but let's see how rusty and awkward I can be in trying to do something so simple. Um, it is good to hear uh, from you, Jay Sturm, and from you, uh, PCZ Steven. And uh, I got the heads up from Jason that you guys would be recording again tonight. Uh, along with uh, Jimmy from Jimmy Good from uh, uh, Critical Reviews, so I'm looking forward to hearing your conversation. Looking forward to hearing what he has to think about certain things, namely the Road Warrior. And uh, also want to thank you guys again for recording the episode you did last week. Good to hear you guys uh, catch up on your little report. The magic's still there; nothing's changed. Uh, I love the discussion, which was mostly catch up and how you guys uh, struggle to get by through with you and your families during the ongoing pandemic and yeah the struggle is real uh but other than that i i look forward to uh hearing this episode just like all the others and i'm so glad to see that you guys are keeping it up um trying to think of something noteworthy in terms of any pop culture or entertainment i still have to catch up on certain things i'm taking a two uh I t- took off two days next week, so I'm going to make this a four-day weekend. Nothing special, just to stay home and relax and get away from work and the heat and catch up on certain things. Uh, one of those things will be the uh, Tomorrow War, which I know that Jay Strum and Jimmy had talked about recently, and I l- listened to their podcast all the way up until it became spoiler-heavy, so I'll catch up on that, among many other things. Maybe catch up on some games, hopefully. Maybe I can finish... Uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey this week, which I think I've put 140 hours in so far. I think I'm in the home stretch. I can never tell anymore. But uh, other things as well. But anyway, um, glad to see that you guys are do are keeping safe, uh, keeping away from this virus, and with what you can do with your family and friends. Uh, so continue to stay safe. Continue to keep warm. Um, no doubt it's as hot over in texas as it is anywhere else but anyway take care of yourself guys i'm looking forward to whenever the episode posts and i will check you later bye all right thank you so much adam he just ran a two-minute mile before that voice um thanks sounds like me on the mic (laughs) thank you very much for the (laughs) kind words and uh that's awesome i love getting voicemail like that and uh, I hope he won the race. I was a little rusty last night. I didn't know about the mic. <laughs> yeah. And I had a couple of coughs this week, I know. Jimmy, you've done a lot of podcasts. <clears throat> Have you ever had like listened to it afterwards and you're like, whoa, this mic's a little hot here? Yeah. Uh, there's something just so painful about doing a podcast you're so proud of, especially with like a guest. 
and you look back at the audio and there's something wrong with it and you're like oh come on like i've been checking the levels it should be fine and then you like listen to it and you're like we're gonna have to play with this for a bit so yeah i've been there i watched the episode you did you had amanda troop and there's one point where she's talking and her her video froze and you made a, like a facial expression that really cracked me up where you're just like, <laughs> it was just really funny. You have to see it when it happens, but she's talking, but all of a sudden she froze as her face stops moving and you're just kind of like, okay, like something's weird here or something. It's just funny. Your face is hilarious. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. My my face is hilarious. It, it, you know, I appreciate <laughs> you made a hilarious face. <laughs> there you go. Uh, no, facial I... expression. Thank you. No, and I, I'm glad that you actually watched that because, like, for a long time I've been doing the video format, and I was like, I wonder how many people actually watch this. But stuff like that happens, and you can actually see my heart stop because if they're like, if some like guests like that is answering a question or yeah. something happens, I'm like, like, are they gone? Am I gone? Like, is the internet dead? What's happened? And then they like come back, and I'm like, okay, play it off. Like, it's all good, baby. So hopefully fight. my face went back to just regular after that. Are you just like, fight through it, fight through it? <laughs> yeah. Yep. I'm like, come on, internet, let's go. We can do this together. You yeah. Know that, like, uh, through this whole COVID era where everyone was doing Zoom interviews and stuff on TV and everywhere, you could always see, like, the person they're interviewing someone, and when they're like, and it, like, messes up, the person on the other end is just kind of, you know, they're their soul is dying. Yeah. Like, don't say anything. Just wait. Just wait. And they're back. Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> and they oh, just totally. pretend like nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. I hope I played it off well besides my, my moments with my face and that one's, but you caught it. So well done. Yes. <laughs> I, I deciphered. I was like, he's dying a little here. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, Jimmy, once again, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it was my pleasure. Seriously, anytime you guys want. This is so much fun for me, and you guys do a great show here. Thank you for having me on. You know, we usually do a DVD segment, but I'm just going to say this right now. I'm not used to doing podcasts anymore, and my throat is killing me. (laughs) (laughs) I promise, guys, we'll do a DVD segment the next episode. Uh and yeah, let me fantastic. practice my song. And can I also say this? I don't, I haven't purchased a movie in disc form in a long time. I just stream stuff. I know some people are like, oh, how dare you, Jason? But do you guys buy movies anymore? Physical copies. I think the last thing I bought was uh, probably The Last Jedi. Did you buy it on Blu-ray? Yes. What about you, uh, Jimmy? Do you still purchase movies? I don't typically. The last ones I bought were together, and they were Blu-ray copies of Captain America: Civil War and Warcraft. Whoa, Warcraft! I wanted to support it in a small way because I thought, <laughs> yeah, I want to see more of these types of movies because I was like, there's yeah. something here. Like, I want Arthas so badly, but yeah. Stephen and I saw say. Warcraft in the theater. Do you remember that? Yes. And technically the last thing I really bought, I haven't received it yet, is uh the 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 comeback tour concert film. Oh wow. Yeah. Music on So uh, a music DVD. You know, I've have fought the urge to buy a 4K Blu-ray player with and buy movies in 4K cuz I uh-huh. heard it's fantastic. It's amazing. You wouldn't believe it. Like uh Will is always telling me he goes 
I know you're streaming in 4K or whatever. It's not the same. You don't know. But I'm like, I can't do it again. I had so many Blu-rays and I, I, I got rid well, of them. You know, I got crazy early on. Yeah. And pretty much every week when, I mean, this is 20 odd years ago. I buy three DVDs a mm-hmm. week. Every Tuesday, something came out, and it's like, sh- 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 buy them when they were on sale for the, the $14. What kills me is and I, I got see... And I got tubs or boxes of an Indi- DVDs. Stephen, an Indiana Jones movie box set 4K edition just came out. I want to buy that so bad. <laughs> I want to own that. A 4K version of Shawshank Redemption just came out. And I was like, ah, oh, I look away, Jason. You can't own this. Well, in you six months, it. it'll be ten dollars. Yeah, that's true. But it's I just uncanny. have to. Jason, you're talking about this. Uh, sorry to cut in here, but like the fact that you're talking about this uh, Indiana Jones thing, I, my friend the other night was saying the exact same thing, and I looked at him. I said, "Wait till the fifth one comes out, and then you get the entire thing together." For a Blu-ray <laughs> box set. Just wait. Just keep waiting. You waited this long. Just keep waiting. Oh, you know what? That's probably why they put it out. They're like, hey, let's put out a box set. They're like, a new movie's coming out. I guess they're going to buy it again. <laughs> <laughs> These nerds, they can't stop themselves. Suckers. But just like every time there's like a new Star Wars, they're like, let's put out another box set. We got another movie coming out. Well, guess out. what? We'll put the Target version out of Special Edition. We get the Walmart Special Edition. We get the Best Buy special. They got they got to buy them all. These nerds, they just collect everything. Yeah, a bunch of jokes. <laughs> they want the metal box set from Best Buy. We'll stick in the Boba <laughs> Fett head or something. They they can't resist it. <laughs> That's right. Watto is the one. To, yeah. <laughs> all right, Jimmy. Thank you so much for doing this show. <laughs> it's like weird tangents. It's like, wait, like, the show. We I, weren't doing a DVD section. We're going to jump into talking about DVDs. <laughs> it's been such a blast doing a show again. And, Stephen, thank you so much for coming out here and uh, joining me again to do the show. You just flew in, and my arms are tired. Boy, are my arms tired. Jimmy, thank you so much. You've become a great friend. I love walk, uh, playing video games with you. We played A Way Out. Uh, unfortunately, we had to kill each other. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Was that the only way out? Uh, <laughs> well, Jim, he predicted. He goes, he, you were like, uh, this better not be like this other game where we ended up having to turn on each other and try to kill each other. And then we were like, oh, man. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, spoiler alert, by the way. Uh I just spoiled I was the doing game, the bad I? movie review. <laughs> but guys, thank you so much for joining us. Jimmy, where can people find you? They've listened to you on the show. They're like, yeah, this guy sounds pretty cool. I'm going to check out his stuff. Where can they find uh, you? Yeah, if you want, you can head over to YouTube and just type in Critical Reviews. You can find pretty much everything there. Uh, the Critical Podcast is also like we alluded to earlier or aforementioned is on Spotify, iTunes, everywhere. Uh, if there is a chance, you want to check those things out. Please let me know what you think about it. Uh, but the best thing you can do for me this week is to just find a content creator if it's here at Entertainment Landfill or anywhere else uh, and just tell them that you appreciate them or what you like about their stuff. Like, that really means a lot to a lot of people. So, yeah, that's what I would appreciate. So thank you guys again for having me. This has been a real treat, pleasure. And, Jason, one of the best things I've gotten over this pandemic is your friendship. I'm not kidding. I 
love having you in my life. I say it a few times a week oh, now. I'm like, you. ah, you're so fun, man. It's so good. Thanks. You're. I think you're fun too, and I love uh, ah. watching your streams when you play games and stuff. It's always a lot of fun. Thank you. It's. Oh yeah, I enjoy it. And you know what's funny is I'm so bad at plugging my own stuff. For people who are listening, go to etlandfill.com. Your one-stop shop <laughs> for entertainment landfill. And Granana's peanut butter. That's right. Use the code landfill. Can I get a t-shirt that says this? We, you should probably <laughs> trademark the name. So that's our show, guys. What are you waiting for? Get out there, watch some movies, play some video games, and we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye, Steven. Bye, Jimmy. Bye, guys. Bye. Come on, man. Go! Jimmy. Now this is podcasting. I don't know that, do I? Don't make this weird. This podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate Valley. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com.